Hold on a second. I'm almost ready. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the studio. Uh, it's time for the Robert Scott Bell Show, Monday edition. It is the 11th of nine. Oh, that's September 11th. Of course, now that day lives sort of in infamy, as you know, 9-11 when we say that. I don't think it was by accident either that that was the day. Uh, but we'll acknowledge and, and remember a little bit about that. And then we've got uh, Stella Morbido scheduled for hour one. We'll talk about the weaponization of loneliness and how tyrants stoke our fear and isolation to silence, divide, and conquer. Well, that's not happening, is it? Uh, also, Richard Vague is scheduled in hour two to talk about his book, The Paradox of Debt, A New Path to Prosperity Without Crisis. And we got to talk about the New Mexico governor suspending your right to keep and bear arms, or at least bear arms. Uh, that's coming up as well. We got questions of the day. We got a homeopathic hit. You want to know which one it is? You got to stick around to find out. The Robert Scott Bell Show is on right about now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we're back at it here. Monday edition will be us broadcasting live and simulcasting through brighteon.tv in our second hour of today's show back in studio. And I'll just tell you, uh, any of my complaints pale in comparison with what happened, what uh, was it, twenty. Two years ago now, Super Don, if I do the math right, 2023, 9-11, 2021, 22 years. Um, you are correct, sir. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at uh, uh, this thing behind me, which is not playing. You know, I'm just, here we go. I'm going to start it over. <laughs> you want to tell them what's going on? Three, two, one, starting over. The Robert Scott Bell Show. There it is. Yes, today, today is 9-11, yeah. 22 years ago. In fact, this morning when I got up. I was sitting here. I get up at five, five fifteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I always kick on Fox News over on the the right side of me, just kind of going there and I could see what you know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, they were at Ground Zero during the doing the cer- you know showing the ceremony, and it hit six oh three a.m. and that was when the first plane hit. And I just you know it's one of those things where even twenty two years later. You would think, oh, well, you know, it's been 22 years. You know, we've done this 22 times. You know, yeah, you remember. But, you know, it's it's been so long. That, and, no, I got emotional listening to them reading the names of the people who died, giving, you know, the personal messages of their own, their their mom, their dad, their uncle, you know, whatever stuff. Because, you know, I remember. I remember where I was when that happened. And it's it's uh, it's still, it's one of those things where there are – all kinds of ideas about what happened. Do you know the Marines that are that are in the Marines now weren't even born when this happened? Dude, there, there's a couple of articles I came across. One of them in particular was an NPR article mm-hmm. about that. And I'm, I'm looking at the pictures, right, of, of the people that are in the Marines, the Marine recruits. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, look at these. These are kids. Look yeah. how young these people are, right? And, and they go on to talk about uh, how... There are people in the Marines now, they weren't even born yeah. when this happened. you know. And even some of the officers, it was talking about how there was a, a drill sergeant that was in kindergarten <laughs> when this happened. Somewhere along the way, we got old. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, 
in any case, you know, for me, and I know we've, we've had this conversation, you know, we've been working together now for, for the better part of those 22 years. And every year, I think it's, we always have the same conversation where on the one side of the coin, there's discussion that should be had about what happened, how it happened, why, who, and all those things. And those are interesting things. But for me, I, I have to put that aside on, on a day like today and, and remember the human toll. Yeah, the, the um, cost of the loss of life. And um, I... I can't forget that's still, but by the way, that yeah. still is, is people are dying from. Yeah. Yeah. There's still uh, effects from the exposure to the toxic poisons. And, right. And I want to bring that up right now, as far as it has, it has, it serves uh, those who are serving the young kids we talk about just now, they go into the military, any of the armed forces and these kids, the moment they hit uh, not even the shores of a field of battle, but the moment they hit wherever they're going to boot camp, if not before, they're going to be hammered with four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, twelve shots or air injections of toxic poisons, chemicals, uh, experimental injections for which there's no evidence because none have been been in placebo safety tested for any evidence of safety or efficacy. And this has been uh, uh, you talk about a craw in your whatever, whatever they say it. This has been a, a, a one I realized that the moment you sacrifice or you're willing to sacrifice your life for the defense of, of this nation, that the military industrial complex is owned by the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And they experiment on the soldiers. Again, Marines, Air Force, Navy, Army, Coast Guard, you name it. They nail you with shots before you ever get shot potentially on a battlefield. Yeah, and that freaking pisses me off. I'm a little bit extra ornery today for other reasons I, I won't name because it was an absolutely dynamic weekend uh, with Brian Artis and Dr. Ed Group and Dr. Henry Ely and Dr. Janice Schmidt and all the people that joined me there at the Healing for the Ages conference. And so there's nothing about that that ticked me off, not at all. Uh, what is, you know, it, it's just some some stupid stuff related to technology that should have been fixed and, you know, it isn't. And it's not Super Don's fault. I don't know why it's happening. But as I said on 9-11, you know, I, I would like to have the, the solemn remembrance of those who passed, as, as Super Don mentioned. But also, I cannot, I cannot distinguish or distinct, how would I say, disconnect from the treatment of all those who serve in the military. I, I realize that those who died were largely not in the military on 9-11. But you know a lot of people that signed up to be in it because of what happened on 9-11, including... Uh, who was the NFL player who retired to go on over there and that was killed by friendly fire. Remember, was it Pat? Uh, what was that guy's name when he realized what was happening and was going to blow the whistle on it? And he ended up dead. I know who you're talking. Is it Tillman? Tillman. Yeah. Pat yeah. Tillman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and so these are the things I cannot disconnect from super Don. And I don't think it does a disservice to those who've lost their lives. I think yeah. those who are on the other side would probably want us to go, Hey, Check out, you didn't know this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and I died, and, that, and, and it, there are a bunch of lies surrounding it. And this is what kind of annoyed me about last week when we played a clip from, uh, uh, what's the former, Megan Kelly, mm -hmm. uh, former Fox News lady. And, you know, she's a smart lady. Again, no dispute on that. And she's regretting that she took the shot, the injection. 
and because she has autoimmune conditions now. I'm the like, damn boosters, she called right, it. The yes. damn boosters, but but she also now says, you know, Vivek, 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 Ramaswamy, how you know, not how dare you, but you know, thinks it's crazy that he's bringing up nine eleven inside job kind of discussions. Now, how do you define inside job? I'm not going to go into that today, but let's just say, just like the Warren Commission report on the Kennedy assassination was filled with lies, half-truths, and deceptions and distractions, same thing or more with the 9-11 Commission report. So if somebody brings up, hey, what you were told ain't right, I don't think that should be dismissed as easily as Megyn Kelly does still to this day. And, no. and that's also part of the problem because these are talking head pundits that rose to high levels because they <clears> bought <throat> in and they buy in to a lot of the narratives and official stories, including just recently, until recently for Megyn Kelly, the injection story, the COVID injection story. No. And so to honor those who have lost their lives, I think we dive headlong into the truth on an ongoing basis. Yet I know for some that's like it's somehow it disabuses or, or abuses their memory. I don't believe it to be the case. That's not my perspective, Superdome, just so you know. Yep. Uh, but I get your sentiment, too. It's, I'm not dissing you on that at all. Oh, I know. And yeah. I, yeah, it's funny because you, you and I have had this kind of this, this thing every year that we've talked about this. And it's always it's it's you know, it's I think it's two important perspectives that yeah. you can have both right. uh, simultaneously. Uh, they are important. But, you know, and the other thing that I want to throw in there is mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, another thing to be kind of pissed off about yeah. is the loss of, of freedoms yes. that came along with the Very whole much. 9-11 thing when they put yeah. the Patriot Act was the, was the beginning of that. Right. Uh, and it's, it's you know, kind of funny how, you know, they, t- they took some freedoms away, you know, because it was an emergency. How many of those did we get back? Yeah. None, you know. And and we we kind of saw this coming, and we Privacy fought against lost. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, and, and we'll talk actually, actually later. We've got a, a with this New Mexico governor thing. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, dude! I I'm just like blown away. Yeah. Another, uh, you know, how blatant in your face can you be about? Oh, I'll just call it an emergency. I'll just say the Second Amendment doesn't matter at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll get we'll to cover that, that next hour as well. Um, oh man. So. Uh, Listen, before we get to our guest, sure. um, important uh, piece of information here. Over the weekend, uh, we were made aware of the fact that one of our, our loyal listeners. Um, super fans, super supporters. Uh, I was in Dallas, and Super Don, you alerted me to this because I didn't see this. On right. Facebook, it was a post by her husband. But our, our fan, our friend, super, she's amazing, DJ Katie. We have so much fun with katie because she knows music better than you and us you and me combined yep. so every time especially in the bonus round and she's, she's seen every every band you can think of yeah. yeah and and she's just a sweetheart an absolute uh wonderful intelligent and and i don't know what happened something's happened to her health and her husband was very concerned and wanted to get her to a hospital apparently she is in one right now uh i don't know the details of it Super Don, you know more than me, perhaps, but all I would I don't for it, I don't know a lot. All I yeah. know is that, that that she had something was going on, mm-hmm. and she um, she took longer than she probably should have to to go uh, get looked yeah. at, um, and she's in the hospital right now, and it it appears to be very serious. Yeah, we. I don't, don't but I don't I don't have any details, and I don't know, and it's okay. Um, but uh, her husband Mark mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to ask that everybody, if you could uh, send her. Good vibes, prayers, you know, whatever positive, yes. um, you know, um, intentions that you can, uh, her direction, because she's in not in a good situation, and I will let you know more as, as we're informed. 
So, Sam, I'm sending my prayers of love and support and healing to DJ Katie and her husband, Mark, and family. And DJ Katie Organic in the chat DJ room. DJ Katie Organic, she's known yeah. in the chat room. And uh, I just, you know, these, these are difficult times, especially when uh, over the past few years, it's become a rational thing to be afraid to go to a hospital. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a very rational series of thoughts that lead you to go, if I can avoid a hospital at all costs, I want to. Yet there are times, and we have never disputed or doubted, there are times where triaging in a situation of you know life and death that there can be life-saving interventions that happen at hospitals. Uh, so you can hold two realities at one time in that sense. The, the fact that they are dangerous places to be, acknowledged. You all know that. It's not just me saying it. For a long time and even out, you know, before COVID now, during and after that is a very serious thing. So you, you don't want to go there for a stubbed toe or anything you can avoid, but there are times where your life is on the line and they could intervene and save your life. And that's never been something we've said couldn't happen or, you know, I just want to be clear about that. But I would also ask that you, you know, if you can't think clearly about it, pray on it, ask for divine guidance. And sometimes you just have to, you just have to act. Uh, there's a point in time uh, for everybody maybe having to make that decision at the same time. Um, so prayers again to DJ Katie Organic and his her family, her husband, Mark. And, and uh, if we can do anything else, please let us know. And I thank you for that consideration. Um, one of the things that was so sensational about the weekend event uh, with uh, Brian Artis and the, and the crew was the fact that this was a deep dive into the everything scientific I mean, you want to talk about peer-reviewed medical literature coming out your ears. If you want to talk about a deep dive and research into so many things with everything that they said backed up so you can validate it or invalidate it. I mean, the level, the thousands and thousands of hours of work that went into those presentations. Absolutely stunning. And and I, I spoke at the end just to, you know, say my two cents worth and you know, one of the things that I acknowledge this is that this was one that was not directed by medical doctors at all. They didn't have any part in the agenda uh, other than, you know, Brian and the crew might have thrown it out to like people like uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, who I just interviewed recently uh, as well. It isn't about all doctors bad. That's not. You see, the thing is, when I say how pleased I was to see that doctors weren't necessarily a direct part of this, it was because their agenda is messed up because of their programming. Flexion Report Medical School and everything that comes from it. So it's very hard to break free of that, even if you mean well. I'm not saying it's impossible to do. But that was, you know, that was the refreshing part of all of this. That it was driven by those that are in the vitalistic viewpoint of health and healing. Chiropractic, naturopathy, herbalism, homeopathy. All of these things so critically important to, to make a distinction there that is not often made in these events at this level, at that level. And so to have that happen through the vitalistic worldview lens of healing, it didn't abandon the realities of the physical world at all. It acknowledged it in new ways or unique ways that started looking at cause and effect as opposed to just managing symptoms, identifying symptoms and figuring out how to manage them, which is often the allopathic uh, modality or, or methodology. And so if you haven't uh, gotten a hold of that heal for the ages event. I think you can buy it after the fact too. We'll get information on that. I just want to say that as well. Uh, profound, profound, uh, two and a half days, uh, at that event. And, uh, we'll, we'll do some follow-up with everybody that was, uh, uh participating in, in that event as well. Also, I hope you enjoyed 
my Sunday conversation with my good friend Kevin Jenkins. And uh, if you've not heard Kevin like this before, I think you'll enjoy it. It was a, a nice, more in-depth, hour-long discussion. Although I didn't have to say much with Kevin. You know you don't. He's a, he's a great communicator. But I really wanted to hear from him about his journey, his experience. And we tackled some tough issues, including medical racism and things like that. Uh, so I'd urge you, if you haven't already, share that show, uh, the Sunday Conversations version of the Robert Scott Bell Show, here at robertscottbell.com, slash listen for the chat room. Uh, I, I'm a bit hobbled today in terms of technology. So, Super Don, if you see any comments or questions coming through, we'll try to get to them today as well. Uh, and even preparation for my guest has been uh, part part way there, if, if, if that at all. And it isn't that I need to do a lot of time, especially because my first hour guest, we've had her on before, Stella Mor- Morbido. And uh, she's got a book, Weaponization uh, of Loneliness, How Threats, I'm sorry, Tyrants Stoke Our Fear and Isolation to Silence, Divide and Conquer. And I know with threats to mask mandates coming back, injection mandate, who knows what they're going to pull out. Uh, I'd love to hear from her what her perspective is on that and also how to help you navigate out of that mess to not comply with such medical, governmental, pseudoscientific tyranny. Welcome back to the show, Stella. Hey, thank you for having me, Robert. It's good to have you back on the show, Stella. I'm sure um, you would rather not have to talk about the pen impending more lockdowns and shutdowns and masks and stuff, but if they can get away with it, they're going to try. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and we, we, and we absolutely can't comply in this round two or whatever it ends up being. Um, as you know, I think a lot of people have wised up, but the big test will be whether or not people, you know, don't, you know, fall victim again to the propaganda. And are and are able to speak their minds on these things. I mean, in my book, The Weaponization of Loneliness, I, I discuss how important it is to speak freely about, you know, what you believe and what bothers you. And when you see something that doesn't square with reality, because free speech is really how we verify reality. Mm-hmm. And if we can't speak openly to one another, uh, we're... In a, in a great sense, isolated. And isolation, as I'm sure you know, is very detrimental to both mental and physical health. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, it's utilized in uh, various forms of torture for prisoners, yes. putting them in isolation. And yet they tried to do so with the entire country, the entire planet, if you will. And uh, there's no good outcome to isolating no. humans from one another. It is only, uh, a, you know, a manipulation, a devastation, uh, something that drives people into higher states of fear and anxiety and, Mm -hmm. you know, burnout of their adrenals and every other system. And I would like to say it had the opportunity or it gave us the opportunity to commune with God a little better, but not everybody took that opportunity because that is another thing that we could and should do all of the time, not just when we're trying, others are trying to force us into isolation, but a lot of people did not take it that way. And, you know, young people especially have gone into various forms of psychological torment since that oh, time, yeah. a lot more depression, a lot more suicide ideation tendencies and actions. So, uh, you know, we're dealing with still trying to uncover and undo that while they're still threatening again to do it again. Oh, yeah. Now, the the the, uh, the effects of isolation are so devastating. Uh, and I think that's why you see spiking suicide rates. And especially among youth, uh, it's especially damaging. Um, and, you know, the the... I want to talk a little bit also, maybe in a little while, about 
how the Surgeon General, I don't know if um, many of your listeners are aware of the Surgeon General's advisory to supposedly cure us of our epidemic of loneliness and social isolation. I mean, here you have the government that basically, you know, develops this disease of social isolation through so many, uh, so many of its policies, particularly the COVID mandates, which in an unprecedented way enforced our isolation against one another. Not only that, but it actually, if you saw Fauci telling us not to get together with, you know, for Thanksgiving back then, or, or basically to hound your relatives who aren't getting the injection, it created lots of estrangement, a lot of hostilities, where hostilities never really existed before. And so when we're put in a state of isolation, where we're kind of estranged, separated from people that we really should have loving relationships with, um, it does something extremely harmful to our well-being. And, uh, you know, the epigraph for my entire book comes from the book of Genesis. It is not good for man to be alone. And this is just so true. We're social animals. We are hardwired to connect with other people. And the flip side of that is we have a primal terror of being ostracized. And totalitarians always use that very primal fear of being socially rejected to try to control us. And we really saw that with COVID. I mean, if you didn't do all these things, you were classified as selfish or even a murderer. Uh, it was ridiculous, but, um, but this is how it operates. This is uh, the process by which we are separated from one another. I don't wanna keep going on and on, but I just wanna mention one other thing before I pause here. And that's that Hannah Arendt, and I think I mentioned this to you when I talked to you last time, in her book, The Origins of Totalitarianism, points out how isolation is absolutely key to tyrannical government, absolutely key. You can't have people talking to each other freely uh, because we build inner strength from our connections and that's the strength to resist tyranny. So isolation's number one for them. It's critically important that they institute a permanent state of fear until mm -hmm. they devastate our ability to function mm -hmm. even without them doing much more than that. I mean, it's sort of like, you, you know, you build the, 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 I don't know, these games where you pull out the sticks until something collapses. I don't know. You just, all you have to do is pull that one thing and then everybody else is doing it to each other. And now it's not oh, yeah. as it should be us against them, but it's now us against us. It's just bizarre, yes. but they, they know how to play that horrible, devastating, devious game. Right. Now they depend on social contagion. And I have a whole chapter in my book, The Weaponization of Loneliness, about the conformity impulse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I discuss how it, you know, it's nothing new uh, and it was uh, exploited uh, during the French Revolution's reign of terror and the Bolshevik Revolution's war on private life, uh, Mao, Mao Zedong's, um, you know, struggle sessions during the Cultural Revolution, all about getting people to point fingers at one another really creates, in addition to having an effect on us internally, um, it, it, it can create a sense of mass hysteria as well, which, you know, across society, which we did see with these COVID mandates and why it's absolutely, absolutely non-negotiable that we do not give up our free speech. We do, we keep saying, I mean, I think the term conspiracy theorist has totally lost its impact, if you agree with me on that. 
Uh, well, you in know, terms it, of shutting down debate and discussion, it's much less powerful than it once was because, oh, you know, so many memes are like, I hope you have a friend who's a conspiracy theorist so they can tell you what's actually happened and what's happening and what's going to happen because they've been right. You know, that's right. And like I said, that's how you verify reality is talking to one another. And, uh, you know, so um, I, I want to bring up, if you don't mind, Robert, mm-hmm. the um, the Surgeon General's advisory that it came out with a couple couple months ago called Our Epidemic of Social Loneliness and Social Isolation. Um, I, I wrote a three-part series on that advisory for the Federalist. It reads, let me just, bottom line, it reads like a blueprint for invasion of the private sphere of life. Talks about building an infrastructure to track and monitor all of our social connections. Now, if that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what, what does. To track and monitor, you know, who we're talking to, and but in every part of life. I mean, you know, every uh, every place where people gather, uh, whether it's a transportation hub or or a community group or a club or uh, you know a sports league, it, it's it, you're right on the local level. It's all about and using policies, all policies involving diversity, equity, inclusion. You know that old DEI poison pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really poisons our ability to to connect with one another. Um, but uh, this, I guess, this shouldn't surprise us because uh, the government is always promoting policies and bureaucracies that serve to isolate us. You know, to cause family breakdown, that cause addictions, that cause urban blight. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. Of course, COVID was the most obvious example because there are you know isolation was actually enforced uh in a literal very literal way but um but this advisory is really dangerous because if it's enacted and senator chris murphy from connecticut has already uh proposed a bill called the national strategy for social connection act and that would uh, you know uh pretty much put this infrastructure that the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy is discussing in his advisory. And one last thing about that, Hillary Clinton came out with a big piece promoting that advisory and it was in, uh, published in the Atlantic on August 7th with the headline, The Weaponization of Loneliness. And this was the first time I saw the title of my book used in such a way that was not related to my book. And uh, basically all it is, is it blames, it's a, a case of psychological pro, uh, you know, projection, blaming everything so-called right wing on um, you know, everybody. It was an, uh, for, for our epidemic of loneliness, for our social isolation, totally backwards and upside down, but that, that's what we can expect. Well, it's uh, pretty, uh obvious to you, to me, to many of our audience or listeners, but I'm not sure that uh, um, they're getting the memo on the other side of the equation as they increasingly desperately uh, ratchet up the fear in any way they can, considering we've been afraid of germs for centuries. And I've talked about our vulnerability therein because we believe doctors and they lie to us all of the time. And even if they believe it's true, it's a lie, what they've been taught in school. And therefore that's one fear vector. 
the other fear vector they seem to be playing up now is, uh, you know, the next uh, the Marburg or whatever they want to come up with. And if that doesn't work, they've got the alien agenda coming behind it. I'm sorry, what agenda? The alien agenda. I mean, you know, they're going to land, uh, uh, you know, three dimensional uh, projections of alien. I mean, I'm telling you, they're oh. doing anything and everything or tele, uh, what we, either oh, telegraphing yeah. or trial ballooning this concept. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, and they keep ratcheting it up. I mean, um, one of the creepiest things was the the head of uh, CISA. Uh, that's the center for, um, I don't know, what what is that? It's about cybersecurity, information mm -hmm. sharing. Um, her name is Jen Easterly, and she claimed that we need all to be protected from so-called misinformation. Um, you know, that's a national security threat. And so uh, it, it basically is, um, you know, pushing for laws that would force censorship on us, um, make us fearful of being demonized as a domestic terrorist if we were to question Right. Anything, you know, like remember they said vaccine hesitancy, right? One of the things greatest are, threats to, yeah, na yeah. Um, and and Stella on the issue here we are at 9 11, 22 years later, yeah. and for them to dare call us potentially domestic terrorists because we question narratives, considering how, how badly they lied to us, the 9 11 commission report alone, much less other reports throughout history. Uh, that if you don't question narratives proffered by our government you are absolutely out of your mind not grounded in any sense of reality that could protect you going forward much less help you to live a, an abundant wonderful life if you just believe the lies and they want to make it so that if you don't believe the lies and parrot the lies and agree with the lies that you're somehow a threat to everybody else it's unbelievable isn't it unbelievable i mean one of the things hillary clinton uh mentioned in her so-called article uh is how people are undermining trust in the government. I mean, it's, it's just so laughable. I mean, and that's another thing this uh, Jen Easterly of SZA says, people who undermine trust in the government are like domestic terrorists. I mean, we're asking questions, whether it's about COVID or the climate or elections. I mean, there's no transparency. So of course we're gonna ask questions if we're rational beings, right? But, uh, the last thing they want is uh, rational beings in their midst who can question what they, you know, what they're pushing on us. Yeah. So what are you recommending besides your book, of, of course, to read through this and see, see what's going on in terms of uh, uh, moving forward and less likely to be victimized by the propaganda, the fear and the isolation? Um, you know, how would we say agenda is the best way to say it at this point. So what other things do you recommend people can do? I think we need to do is understand that we're in a war that's actually very ancient, that this is not really new. Uh, it's an ancient war. It's a spiritual war uh, of tyranny. I mean, that's always been the case. I mean, if, you know, uh, if you think back like to the Garden of Eden, it begins there right at the beginning, that there's always forces that try to isolate us, that try to separate us from God, from family, from a community, from friends, because that's where we get our inner strength. And that means the strength to resist tyranny. So let's remember that. Let's remember that, um, you know, this is not really new, but we need to, uh, first of all, understand that in order to protect our private life, because the private sphere is absolutely under attack. 
Uh, it's all about separating us uh, and, and rendering us powerless. So in order to protect the private sphere, we absolutely must speak freely, whether it is legal or not, mm -hmm. because it is an unalienable God-given right to express our beliefs and thoughts. And so, uh, and what we see before us. So yeah. that's really important. We cannot have relationships at all if we can't talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. we, we have to be able to talk to one another. So remember that. And then there's lots of ways, large and small, that, that we can get around this. I mean, we need to build parallel institutions, parallel what they call policies, uh, different kinds of communities that can... Uh, help us keep our social connections together and build more social connections. And we have to do this whether they tell us we can or not, because our survival depends on it. So uh, I actually have started a project where I'm hoping to build book clubs around the theme of the weaponization of loneliness with a multimedia uh, bibliography, not just books and novels and articles, but also movies and documentaries where people can become more aware of how this process works on us and be able to detect the pattern. So that's just one idea. We can build like all kinds of like neighborhood groups. Um, there are different ways of going about this, but it all depends on one-on-one -on -one communication. That is the organic way out. Yeah. Well, this this show has been all about that and encouraging you to be able to withstand the not only the assault the telling you to isolate and hide, but also the assault that says you can't talk to somebody who might disagree with you. You must cancel mm -hmm. them, which is another form of inducing isolation. Oh, Keeping absolutely. you distant from somebody who might love you dearly and just have a different worldview for various experiences that they have. And that's why I love talking to people of a wide variety of worldviews so that we begin to understand that this planet has got an infinite number of experiences and souls on them. And uh, we aren't meant to be warring with one another or isolating from one another simply because we don't have a lockstep agreement with one another because uh, it's just not the way it was created. But they're trying to create a, a, a world where unless somebody agrees with you 100% of the time, you can't or shouldn't talk to them and you should cancel them. That's another aspect of this war. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Demonization is a common denominator behind all of this, what I call machinery of loneliness. I mean, they use, you've heard all the smears, whether it's bigot, hater, white supremacist, you know, they go on and on, fascist, COVID denier, you know, it, it's a long, long list, conspiracy theorists. And, and, and those are just meant to shut us up or make us oh, yeah. lie about what we believe. In it, order it's to so absurd. My guest yesterday, my friend, Kevin uh, Jenkins, uh, they call some people called him a white supremacist. He's got more pigment than both of us and Super Don combined a hundred times over. <laughs> it's like what you know. So yeah. the the reality is such a delusion that I hope that when you hear things like that, like when they call Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy running for I think California governor, those kind of things should be so absurd they wake you up and go, what? Yeah. These people are bonkers. They're absolutely nuts, and they do yeah. not have a say in how you go about your life, your livelihood, et cetera, unless you empower them to do so. And unfortunately, right. there are those in the government that have been owned and controlled by these agendas that play along like they're useless. Uh, what, what, what we call them? 
uh, I don't know if they're Manchurian candidates, but basically they're just robots to this. They don't question much at all. They just, you know, get their paycheck and they're happy if they get a pension. They're, they're key in that they keep their head down. They'll get that pension later. And they don't make any waves, much like the doctors who are afraid of losing their license, who don't realize yeah. that they won't get their freedom until they give up their license because it's a trap. Uh, but yeah. they've been suckered in because of promises of materialistic goods and elevated or exalted status among us despite the fact that there should be no titles of nobility in this country. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately they've exalted and, 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 and elevated the medical, uh, personnel to, uh, a worshipful status, even among our churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples, they look at these doctors as somehow, uh, more godly than anybody. Yet many of them are atheist in that context as well. So we've mm -hmm. got a lot of warped and twisted worldviews that are not coming from, I believe within or from our relationship to God or creator, but mm -hmm. from arrogant men and women, perhaps ignorant, perhaps mm -hmm. as well, trying to, again, distance and isolate us to own us and control us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's ab that's absolutely right. Um, and, you know, people get invested in their status and they're scared to death of losing it. And that's how medicine gets corrupted. That's how law gets corrupted. That's how all the institutions get corrupted is through that hardwired need to feel you know, actually, you know, feel connected. I mean, when you think about it, what is status other than this sense that, you know, people respect you and, right. and so on. And, Art, but it's know, somewhat think, artificial in that externalized yeah. viewpoint of that. And, and it's ironic too, because they use our, our, our need to feel needed to manipulate us into isolating ourselves. That's the weirdest it, thing. It is, yeah. That is the real irony I point out in my book. You know, we have this fear of isolation that's exploited. It's a huge vulnerability. But at the same time, when we give into that and we conform and comply, we're only digging ourselves deeper into mm -hmm. isolation. So, you know, isolation is used as a weapon as well as that fear, especially that fear of, yeah. of being ostracized, you know, isolated, canceled, uh, you know, and so on. Uh, That's why we must strengthen our relationship to the divine, to our very creation. And, and, you know, if they can convince you that there is no God and then, uh, you know, uh, tell you it's all a random act, then you're much more vulnerable to these powerful right. people's suggestion scenarios. And right. No, it, oh yeah. No, like if you're in solitary confinement, if you have a really strong relationship with God, even in solitary confinement, you can survive through that relationship, through that right. faith that you have that connection. Mm -hmm. And that's why there is such a war on religion in addition to war on, uh, you know, family and, you know, anything else that causes us to bond with one another without their permission. Yeah, exactly. Well, I love uh, what you're doing and I appreciate so much that you put that book out there and you continue to uh, not be uh, silenced, if you will. You continue to speak out as an example for what you're trying and doing. In fact, um, your website, is that the best place to connect with you for those that want to reach out? Uh, sure. Yeah. It's not as up to date as it should be, but it's stellamorabito.net. That's one word. My Twitter handle is Stella underscore Morabito. And I write, I'm a senior contributor to The Federalist. You can find my writing there at thefederalist.com slash authors slash Stella Morabito. So uh, there are different ways. Uh, and of course, my book is available online, basically mm -hmm. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Goodreads. And um, you know, I hope people check it out. The Weaponization of Loneliness. Uh, you know, just really, I wrote the book 
to help people become more familiar with these tactics, even if we understand them instinctively, mm -hmm. we need to become more aware consciously so that we can call them out when we see them. I appreciate that so very much. I love what you're doing. The book is less than a year old out there. It's almost what it's your anniversary, but it is well worthwhile. There's nothing old and outdated in that book. It's more, more relevant today than it was even a year ago. Thank you so much, Robert. Yeah, Stella, I appreciate you and all you're doing with the Federalist as well. Shout out to everybody doing good work there. Stella, thanks for being on board today. Thank you for having me, Robert. All right, Stella Morbido on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Once again, bringing you wonderful people, souls that have invested in this journey, uh, not for self-aggrandizement or to elevate them above you or me or anybody, but to you know invest and go right down into the mud with all of us and go, hey, what's going on here? Hey, look at that. You don't want that. Here's why. And with great research and passion brings it out. So I appreciate folks like Stella and what she's doing. So pick up her book and share that book and, and that message, um, that isolation, what they're trying to do. And they're, they're trying to do again. They're not stopping. They're not giving up on it just because uh, we got through three years of COVID crazy. Uh, it's just a, a temporary respite unless unless uh, you you push back, stand up and say, uh-uh, <laughs> I ain't playing that game anymore. All right, Super Don. Well, we got more to do on the Robert Scott Bell Show here. I think Stella was a very appropriate guest today, more so than I realized considering going into the show, I had hardly a, a chance well, with all the technological challenges. I've yeah, had. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been having this conversation for a couple, time. you know, I mean, how well, I mean, even just recently about, yeah. you know, the here's the new push, right? Mm -hmm. uh, could, could, is it possible? Could they do it again? I mean, yeah. could, could they really do No, there's no, no, there, well, Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, on my travel trip, I still saw, you know, maybe if I say 1% of the people wearing masks right now, it's it's a low number. It's a small number, but, you know. Well, but, but do you remember? I, I, I distinctly remember, uh, you know, yeah. just here, just in my own local community, rural community down here in Southern Oregon, right? Mm -hmm. When it first started, it was just like, there was like, you know, one person here, one person there. It was like. Yeah. Wow, you know, the, the, the people look kind of weird walking around in masks. It's strange, right? Yeah. And it was just a matter of a very short period of time when it completely did a 180. Boom. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, wow, it's really weird for people not to wear a mask right now because most people were wearing them. Right. I know. And I, I it. that just, it was, it was a mind-bending experience to see it go so quickly from one person or two people wearing a mask. That's weird. Yeah. To one person or two people not wearing a mask, that's weird. Mm -hmm. That was that was completely strange yeah, to so me. Yeah, so don't go to sleep on this. Stand your ground. Stand and, uh, well, if you have to fight, I mean, I'm not arguing for violence, you know, in a wanton way, but you have to defend your life, liberty, and property ultimately, or else it's, it's going to be taken from you. And that's a big part of this isolation thing that we talked about with Stella. I mean, your life yeah. is on the line. When yep. you're isolated, there are I a lot just, of things that happen. I, I still stand by my my opinion on that. When you ask for my prediction, yeah, uh, I I just don't see, definitely don't see the same number of people I, I, falling for it. I do hope and pray you're right, Super Don, and I know that that there are more people uh, this time that won't participate. I agree. I don't think you can argue otherwise. The question is, is it still enough fair? Uh, uh, f fear, fair. I can't speak today. Afraid sheeple. I mean, that's the word I just say. The sheeple who are still yes. afraid. Yes. Are there are there enough of them to tip it again that way, or are there enough of us to say we will not comply and they can't get their way? I think that the last three years, with the way that unfolded, uh, it, it created a 
a uh, an army of of activism that what did not exist before and and people got bur- you know it gave people bravery right yeah. to stand up um to stuff like that and they saw how it worked before yeah i just i just i think there's too many people that have have been exposed to how corrupt things are in government right. yeah so we'll see i mean i guess ho- hopefully they won't try i i just i don't I think they're going to try. But I, if you I just, follow the news as closely as, as someone like I do, you notice, we've talked about this before, you notice patterns, right? And you see things. I didn't see those things a month ago that I'm seeing now. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might go, oh, well, you're just seeing something normal. You know, it's, it's fall. We're going into flu season and people get sick more. Uh, I, dude, I just yeah. had a bug myself just in the last I few days, right? Super done. I'm so tired of flu season. Oh, I know. It's, it's it's toxic poison season. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All I of these you. are symptoms. That, you know, look, I still stand by what I've said for years, long before there were controversies about is a virus real or not. What do you believe in or not? It's not my concern so much, but recognize that the symptoms you exhibit, the symptoms you experience are all about toxicological burdens and nutrient deficiencies. And yeah, you want to tie it to a virus or not. I don't care. But the point is, they are manifestations of the body trying to eliminate burdens, toxicological burdens, metabolic waste, and the need for the things to help counter that, those minerals in particular. Uh, and, and so you can take it and interpret it from there, but that's my bottom line. This is about more help for your liver, no matter what. And I know you're not willing to do anything but a paper coffee enema, <laughs> you know, and I don't mean the filter, right? But you still have that with you. But doing anything to hydrate, detoxify during these times will accelerate you through these uh, temporary setbacks. And I want them to be hey. temporary, not permanent. So there you go. Hold there's it up my, there. There's my coffee yeah. enema right there. Written on a piece of paper. That's right. Um, so there Do you I go. have to put it in my pocket or is, is it just if I, I wrote it on the paper? That it should be on you. Yeah. It has to go in the pocket. All right. Yeah. There you go. It's in the pocket. Yeah. Now you're not like. Before you flush the toilet, look at behind you, seeing paper in the toilet, right, or anything weird. I haven't yet, no. Okay, all right. No. Just wondering. It's the energetics of things, folks. It's the energetics <laughs> of things. And speaking of the energetics of things, do you have that clip that I, I closed the uh, conference, the Healing for the Ages conference? Uh, I will here momentarily. Hold on. Let me just... I think it's appropriate. And then we'll go into the question of the day on something sure. that's very controversial. I haven't had a chance to adjust the levels on this, so we'll just have to go with whatever it is. But can here's... you adjust them on the fly? I can. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to get rid of the overlay so we can see the whole thing here. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. I need them to give some closing remarks here for Robert Scott Bell. Yeah, the question I have is this, uh, a new hope or return of the Jedi? Where are we at? <laughs> the episodes. Because 200 years of attacks from the allopathic community, um, and I'm not accusing every doctor of this, but they've been programmed and deceived. I've been attacking homeopathy and then naturopathy and then chiropractic and herbalism and all of the native you know american traditions all around the world we go to the herbal kingdom it's in the bible all of that it's been attacked for for how long maybe millennia and the folks up here the docs up here or non-docs whatever you want to call them are not part of being the first second or third leading cause of death Amen. this is one of the first programs i've ever attended or been a part of over uh, 30 years of doing this where the MDs were not in charge. They didn't set the stage or the agenda. And it's about damn time. God bless 
connected to the source of all healing, and that is our, your divinity. And don't ever forget it because they've tried to attack it, they've attacked it very successfully, diminished our divinity, our connection to the divine, and that is the source of all healing. That is the source of all wisdom. That is the source of what energizes the people on this stage and all of you for being here, and they have tried to disconnect us from that. And that is why we must come back to those divine senses. Amen. And yes, we must read as well. So God bless you, Brian Arts, and everybody here, and all y'all for being here. And listen to the Robert Scott Bell Show as well, the best kept secret in the Health Talk media. And I, and I made a promise to Robert Scott Bell. Of course, a lot of people are going to reach out to me probably, and I hope that this goes far and wide as we expect it to, God willing. Robert Scott Bell comes up to me and goes, you know, you're, the only thing you're missing is homeopathy. And I said, this is a foundational conference. We're expecting to add you in this thing from here on out. So that's what you can expect. There's all kinds of healing modalities. And i got to say something to Judy as he's up here shedding. And there was Judy Mikovits coming in after, and she was just crying on the stage, Super Don, at that moment. Because you know, the MD did not listen to her. Right. As smart as Judy Mikovits is, Dr. Mikovits, what she's been warning and saying for years, and then she was under gag order. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's funny to me how, how long I've been doing this. That's why I feel like uh, my wife said, you look like an aging rock star up there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't know. But I, I, I guess I've been around for a while. And I don't feel old, thankfully, but yeah, I've seen a lot. And in all of that time, you know, as I've seen the attacks on me or people like me, homeopathy, natural, and, and to see that event put on by not one MD, even though MDs were welcome, but they were not in charge. They were not running and guiding the show. They were not open to much of this. And some of them are still battling against some of the things that were revealed there that Dr. Henry Ely brought out. I mean, incredible research the thousands of hours it took to get that dr janice schmidt and a doctor group and of course dr artist and i thank dr artist for uh you know allowing me to have a few words there at the end and his intent to in integrate homeopathy and other things as we go from this moment forward uh but judy mikovitz once again she's a phys she's not a physician she's not an md she's a phd but she's not given up as well on that the wisdom and the divine guidance that exists from God, she's very much focused there. And her crying, her emotions were about, this is a, a bunch of folks that listened to her. She was trying to direct, point them in the right direction to look at what's really going on, and they didn't have the objection to it, even though they still had to investigate it, but they weren't rejecting, much like we would often be rejected outright, or I would, because, hey, homeopathy, that's crazy stuff. It's about time to get over that. It's long past time to get over that and go back to the origins of healing. And again, our relationship to the divine. That's my message always. If I ever get off track on that, Super Don, and my wife, my radio wife and my real wife, <laughs> slap me around. Like, Wait hey, a minute. You, Wait, why, can't we, why can't I be a husband? I can I have to be a wife. So we have a, a question of the day coming in. See if I can squeeze <laughs> it in before we do our Brideon.tv um, simulcast, if you don't mind putting that up on the screen. This is, uh, it came in via email to Super Don from Taylor. Good afternoon. Thank you, Mr. Bell and Super Don, for all you do. You have made a huge difference in our family, and we are so thankful. I have a question about birth certificates, and you were the only one I've even heard mention it. My husband and I are expecting our second baby in about five weeks. We are unsure whether to get a birth certificate for our baby or not, and we are considering not. Could you tell me what your thoughts are on the subject? And if we don't get a birth certificate, what is the process for driver's license, et cetera, later in life? We would so appreciate anything you could share with us. God bless. All right, Taylor. Well, I've mentioned this from time to time over the years, and, it, and it's perhaps one of the more controversial subjects I've ever 
tackled. I don't know why it's so controversial, but I guess it's because of our ignorance in history and law. You know, when we talk about the common law versus admiralty and equity law, that there are distinctions in a sense. Now, when you think about birthing, what do you think about? I know a lot of you think about having babies, but think about in terms of the law of the seas or admiralty. You birth a ship. You birth a ship. And that ship operates on the water, which is considered what we call admiralty jurisdiction or equity now, where they bring the sea onto the land, where the common law doesn't all, always apply or if ever apply anymore. And in that context, uh, you lo I look at this birth certificate as your child, your gift from God, that divine spark that is given life in a body through the breath that they take and the ability to, to, to exist outside of mom, especially at that point is nothing less than a divine miracle. And yet our governments and those bankers behind our governments need to establish dominion over that child of God. And they trick you and me and all of us into first asking for permission to get married from them, the government. So you invite them in to your holy matrimony via a license, a, a permission slip to do that, which would otherwise be considered illegal. And Americans never got marriage licenses before the end of the so-called civil war. What do you mean, Robert? What are you talking about? Well, it happened to be that if a black person wanted to marry a white person or a white person wanted to marry a black person after the civil war, you had to ask special permission of the government. And if they wanted to, they would grant a special privilege license. Here's your marriage license. And then somehow over time, it became acceptable for everybody to ask permission of the government to get married. So now you have you, your spouse and God and the government. And I found that out before I got married. And I said, hell no, I'm not inviting them into this marriage. And so we filed a, a covenant, if you will, between my wife and I acknowledging the role of God in our lives and divine and sacred mission that we entered into together. And then when we had kids, of course, the, 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 the things you don't read about the license is making your the fruits of the marriage become wards of the state. You see what happens behind me? This is the technology I'm dealing with behind me as, as I'm trying to deliver you good stuff. Perhaps they're trying to sabotage it and distract me. I'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> but the birth certificate is making your child a vessel of the state, much like a ship, a vessel at sea. And so for me, I did not elect to do that with my children. And so we had affidavits of live birth. We had witnesses. We, after a year, went back to the D Department of Vital Records in Georgia, where they came onto this planet and said, hey, where's their birth certificate? After a year, they say it doesn't exist. Now you have proof of that. And you go with all of your other proof to government agencies. If you decide you want to get a passport or a driver's license, et cetera, to prove that they are alive, that they are real. And it doesn't require the government stamp of approval. Yeah, I see the countdown clock, Superdown. I know we got Bridie on. So you have to know the law better than the bureaucrats know it. And they'll still try to refuse you. For instance, we've had passports without the, the slave numbers, the antisocial insecurity numbers. And then the Congress passed the law, said you had to have those numbers to get a passport or have it renewed. And it violated my and maybe your religious belief about those numbers being tantamount to the number of the beast or the mark of the beast. Everybody's got a different opinion on that. It's mine. And so we pushed back on our religious. You must make a religious accommodation. And they had to, and they did finally. And they've acknowledged it on the website to get, you know, your passport. They'll say it. Now, until they put it on the actual printed paper, I'm not giving up on that. And you shouldn't either.
religious freedom, spiritual freedom. It's the foundation for the American ideal of our experience. Here we go. Now, we are joined by our friends at Brighteon.tv. Brighteon.tv is, thanks to Mike Adams, one of the most sensational free speech platforms out there. The Robert Scott Bell Show is on two hours a day, five days a week with an additional Sunday hour. We're only on one hour a week on Brighteon. But next week, I'm just telling you right now, Monday the 18th, if I'm correct on the date, Monday the 18th of September, we're going to do a three-hour simulcast of the Robert Scott Bell Show special support edition, a telethon for Jonathan E. Mord, who's running for the United States Senate, Virginia, the health freedom candidate of all health freedom candidates ever. Ron Paul has endorsed him. So hour one, hour two, hour three. We don't usually do a three-hour show. We do about two and a half hours, but we're going to do all three hours. Thanks to Mike Adams donating his time, Clay Clark donating his time as well on TV next week at this time. But with that, I'm going to tell you, we got a lot to do on the show today. So stick around. The power to heal is yours. All right, the Robert Scott Bell Show is back. We're happening. We're live in studio. We'll be uh, doing a, another uh, series of remote broadcasts later in this week from Las Vegas at the Biomed Expo. And you can still check out uh, the Biomed Expo, biomedexpo.com. And uh, there's a lot going on at, in Vegas this coming weekend. I hope to see you there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe a bit of Sunday uh, coming up. We also have IPAC-EDU.org. James Lyons-Weiler, our friend, Dr. Jack, and he's doing sensational work with IPAC in bringing topics that you thought you knew, but you realize you are probably deceived if you got those uh, subjects taught to you in grade school, middle school, high school, college, university, and PhD level graduate studies and MD studies too, including the study of genetics. And he's got coursework available to you, extraordinarily affordable. And you will unlearn the things that were like oops and you will learn the things maybe for the first time and if you're a lay person just getting started you're welcome as well and these are uh, done live and then you can catch the recordings later as well and you'll have lots of uh, documents to go over as well ipac-edu.org i appreciate so much what ipac is doing uh, to bring good education and information to those who are ready to make their lives and their world better by knowing this so check that out ipac-edu org. Now, also, as we talk about the various ways to get stronger and healthier and more vital, I will say this, and I've kind of hinted at this, many of you who mean all of the best, almost all of the time, you're, you are on a mission. You have a passion. You're driving for something that's better and helping others to do the same. I just don't want you to do that at the neglect of your own health. There are a lot of folks that feel impassioned with a mission here, and I get it. I have one too. I think everybody does. Not everybody has identified what that is for them, and it can change over your lifetime. But very often when you find that mission, you just grab on it and you just go for it and you go tunnel vision and you forget that you have a physical body, a temple that you reside in while you are here. You are a soul, divine spark of God. You you you. It in, you imbue this body with life temporarily, yet it has certain requirements. 
that even if we're on mission and purpose and point, there's only so much we can do when we ignore it, when we violate the basic principles of how to care for it. And that is to eat cleaner foods, to breathe cleaner air, to drink cleaner water. All of these things are so critically important, yet often overlooked because we have the excuse, we'll tell God, I'll get to that later because God, I'm doing your bidding. Your mission is more important than me caring for my body. And I don't believe God asks us to sacrifice our body in that sense. Now, some of you might have a different idea. Maybe God has spoken to you and says, yes, I want you to sacrifice your body in your mission. I don't have that same perception. I believe God wants us to have all of the best for us, the fuel that we need. Yet our own diminishment of our own existence, our own belief that we are not worthy curtails us from doing that which is most worthy in supporting our efforts while we are here to live happy, fulfilled, healthier, and energetic lives. And if you ever hit that brick wall, it's going to be a lot harder to recover from that than to see that brick wall coming and go, you know what? I'm going to change course right now so I never have to hit that brick wall. What is that brick wall represented by? Toxicological burdens that you don't need by eating food that is grown with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, GMOs, contaminated with heavy metals, glyphosate, the active ingredient Roundup, all of those things leading to building a brick wall for you to hit one day. And when you hit, it might be different than your neighbor or your brother or your sister because you have strengths and weaknesses that they don't have and vice versa. What do you do when you meet God on the other side? If you haven't met him or her, you know, I'm just not trying to play a, 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 the, the game of uh, gendering right now. It's beyond that. But how do you explain? God, I was on purpose and on mission. What happened? God says, well, you didn't take care of your body, the body that I gave you to inhabit, to fulfill that mission. So don't make the excuse that I have no time to care for my body. Exercise, eat right. And I, and I define those terms as well. Eating right is not, oh, I ate from the four food groups or myplate.gov. It's going more and more organic, clean. Whether you're vegetarian, meat eater, or some combination between, make sure it's clean and least processed or not processed at all. And drink clean water. Check out the echo water. It's the hydrogen, the purification of the hydrogen. I mean, there are things that you can do to facilitate great, great recoveries and strengthening of your body. And if you hit that wall, you hit that ceiling, think about the folium PX we've been talking about here with my good friend, Bobri Oren. Bobri has brought this over, this Chernobyl-level antioxidant. And I'm not kidding when I say Chernobyl-level. It was in response to Chernobyl out of Russia at the time. They developed this botanical blend that could counteract the ionizing radiation of Chernobyl-level leaks and binding to heavy metals and other intoxicants and inflammatory components. And it got my mom back on the dance floor at the age of 89 when, you know, everything was kind of holding her together. But, man, it put her through the. T- and we've had many stories of folks that have written in and said, my gosh, I'm back. Foliumpx.com. Now, normally you can get 10% off with the code RSB10. I was talking to Bobri today. This is just, uh, I don't know how long this lasts, maybe till we're at, in Vegas together at the, uh, the uh, Biomed Expo this weekend coming up. But he said, if you buy a year's supply, I don't even know what that means. You'll have to talk with him, but he'll give you 25% off. So those of you who've been investing in your health and you like the folium or you've been trying it or want to and feel like, oh yeah, if you buy a year's supply, you'll have to talk to Bobri about what that is. Go to foliumpx.com. The number's there. He said on the Robert Scabell Show for you, 25% off. Again, talk to Bobri about it or come to see us in Las Vegas and, and get plugged in. 
those are just some of the things I love to be able to share with you and get the best deals possible on all the things that help me to be strong and well and the people I love and care about, which is all of you to do, do better, to do better. All right, Super Don, I know we've got a story here. Uh, I don't have time to cut, to do the video because we've got Richard Vague coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, he wrote a, a book called The Paradox of Debt, A New Path to Prosperity. So I love the topic, so we'll get to that as well. But it is important to bring up what's going on with the New Mexico governor, unless you have a comment about breaking through the ceiling in your healing. Uh, well, in New Mexico, you won't be able to shoot through the ceiling. Um, yes, that's uh, a, that is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you, you might you might get arrested for that. What the heck, dude? A uh, uh, New Mexico governor go, basically going, what constitution? So what you want to you you want to just you want to bypass the videos no, for no, this I, here for I, I time or what? If we have time to squeeze in a couple, maybe we we'll, do. we'll get a couple here. All right, um, I'll, I'll let you guide me through this, Super D, because you know it's been a crazy day. So. Yeah, I, this really bothered me over the week. I don't know why. I'm not, you know, it's whatever. You know, I, I'm not like a big, you know, running around with guns and stuff like that. I have no problem with guns. I was raised by a, a police officer. Uh, I've shot a gun before. But, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, it's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm just, I was, I was sitting here on Friday. I think, I'm pretty sure it was, I mean, I was, it was Friday when this happened. Mm-hmm. And I saw this headline. I'm like, what is this? New Mexico governor, you can't carry a gun. And so I, I read this, and I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then the, I, she had a press conference. And uh, I watched the press conference, and it was one of those times where it was just like by the it, when the when I, I finished listening to the clip, it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know how you, your brain just cannot compute what it was that somebody just said, and you can't like even like put words together to try and respond to it because it just does not make sense what what this governor did. So mm -hmm. here's, here's the story here. Uh, she decided, because listen, I guess apparently in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and in New Mexico in general, they've got a crime problem. And she can't seem to figure out how to get a handle on it. And so she decided to uh, to issue a public health emergency now, does this sound familiar? A public health emergency. Where have we heard something like this New before? New excuse to remove you from your rights. Yes, except this is going to be about guns. A public health emergency where no one is allowed to carry a gun in open or uh, concealed. concealed. Yeah. And so here's, here's a, this is kind of like the money shot, really. And so the setup on this is that she's doing this press conference and she's just talking about, well, you know, I'm doing this, you know, for, to, to make people safe. And, you know, we, we need to arrest the people and the, that are doing the crime. And, you know, this, this public health, uh, you know, order, it's not an executive order, but it's like a, an emergency order, right? Which has no force of law, by the way. Yeah. But according to her, yeah. right? Anyway, so she's like, this is what we're going to do. So this reporter asked a question here, and this is the thing where you're just like, so let's see if you have the same reaction I do to this, this question. It starts with the reporter asking the question. This would allow us, huh? If someone got a concealed carry permit in Albuquerque walking down a public street, they're not going to get arrested. I can make the point that they, maybe they should. Wow. What? Yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, wait, whoa, hold on a minute here. So somebody in Albuquerque. Go, you know, d jumps through the hoops and, and does this, the thing in the background check and the class and the, the piece of paper, the license and whatever, uh, it, to be able to carry a concealed weapon. They've, they've, they're passed, right? Mm -hmm. You're, it, she's like, 
Maybe yeah, they what, be arrested. Yeah, yeah I, I could make the point that, uh, that that maybe they should be arrested if they're walking down the street with a gun. And I'm just like, I really had a hard time trying to go, how can you do that? Yeah. You know, that's one of those things where it's like, you're not supposed to be able to do that. But but you just did that, right? Right. Um, and I, I got to tell you, over the weekend, it has really caused uh, an uproar. Um, and so I'm going to... Yeah, yeah. So let me just uh, real quick. What do we got? Three more clips. Let me see if we can just run through these real quick because you got to listen to what it is that she's saying. Maybe I'll jump. Well, no. Here we go. It's listen to what she has to say here. And this is the point. I, I, I'm willing to do anything and everything within a shred of evidence-based effort because if you're not horrified that. On any street corner in too many cities in New Mexico, there is someone with a gun sticking out of their waist or their belt. And I'll tell you, if you're, if you're a young person, you're not allowed to have a handgun. Well, it's a crime already. I got it. But we won't be able to arrest all of them. So imagine, just in, 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 a, in a perfect world, if this was upheld, it gives all of these police officers the ability to focus on the real criminal. Oh, wow. Yeah, if we can just suspend the Second Amendment permanently, then, then only the government has the weapons. And then nobody has the right to defend themselves in the midst of a crime. Dude, she's, and she's saying this with a straight face. Yeah. And I'm just like... How did she become governor? I don't yeah. know anything about this governor, yeah. but she's making the case... That in order for people to be safe, we need to take away your freedoms. And it's just like, but that's, that's against the, that's against the law. You can't, that's what I'm saying. I'm just like, how, how can you do this? It gets better though. Check this out. You took an oath to the constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception. And that is if there's an emergency and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. What rights are so... Uh, I mean, <laughs> Who is this what lady? What about their constitutional right? What is their constitutional right? You have a right to life, liberty, and property, but you also means you have a right to defend those things. And if you choose to defend that with a, a, having a firearm, then that's a fundamental right that preexisted even the Second Amendment. If this if you ahead. are a a league, I mean, we're talking about a league. You know, we're not talking about criminals. We're talking about we're talking about somebody who, who stole a gun or bought one from somebody that came over the border or something. We're talking about legal gun owners. And she is she is basically trying to criminalize the legal gun owners in this situation in order to be able to get the criminals better. 
Uh, that doesn't even make any sense. And in this last clip, somebody brings that up. You'll see it, 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 it just in a, in a few seconds here. Okay. That 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 point here. Listen to what she has to say. Well, wait a minute. Okay. You're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes. So how are there right? But but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? What? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam Governor, yep. do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. <laughs> oh, wow. thank you. Governor, thank you so much. You are keeping us safe with a resounding message. You know, all of those criminals, that's that's like the kryptonite for criminals, right. resounding messages. No, It, no, it just makes it. them cower in fear. They, they drop their guns and run. Right. Well, quite the opposite <laughs> is true, I know. But that's like Governor Moron's message. A resounding wow. message. She just proved herself to be an absolute moron. Oh, and, you know, God. the people of New Mexico should immediately, if there's a way to recall her or impeach her or something, I feel bad for you guys and gals there now. Well, yeah. Yeah, and the the bigger part of this for me here, when when I read, if you read into this, you know, she says that she's expecting um, uh, pushback on this legally. Yeah, and and I'm looking at this, I'm going, man, here is another example where you've got somebody, a governor, who's you know they they had to to uh, pledge an oath mm-hmm. uh, to uphold the Constitution as when they became a governor. Okay. Here's another example of somebody, a government official, knowingly, knowingly violating the Constitution, knowing that that is exactly what they are doing, and uh, just assuming Mm -hmm. that they're probably going to be able to get away with it long enough in order to try and achieve whatever goal it is they're trying to do, and that later on down the road that they won't win in court. But by that time, they will have already taken people's freedoms away, right? Well, and for at least 30 days now, of course, the criminals know that they have free reign because the law-abiding citizens are going to cower in fear and drop their guns, as you Right, out. exactly. Yeah, but, you know, I, my question is, if you are a governor, if you've pledged an oath to uphold the Constitution and you knowingly try and violate the Constitution, aren't, shouldn't there be some kind of consequences for that? Exactly. You have, and by the way, you have no constitutional right to feel safe, you bozo. That doesn't, that's not a right. Uh, it's just so far, it's just bizarre. <laughs> if I don't feel people, safe, what about that right? Right. What about that right now? Well, I don't know. The, the the people that have guns to protect themselves from the criminals that have the guns probably feel safer than you do. Actually, she probably doesn't have to worry about feeling safe because I'll be willing to bet she's got armed security. Oh, she's got heavily heavy armed security. Yeah, right now. yeah. All right. So anyway, yeah. I think we should review. I mean, I know Emort's going to have plenty to say about this. Oh, yeah, on we'll Thursday. get to with Jonathan Emort. By the way, again, the Emort Telethon for running for the United States Senate yes. in Virginia is coming up a week from today. Is it the 18th, I think? Yes, seven yep. days from now. The 18th, we've got a three-hour tour, so to speak. And uh, this is a triumphant tour on behalf of uh, all of you who love liberty. All of you who love the Constitution want to see it reinstated and abided by. Jonathan E. Morta is running for the United States Senate in Virginia. And yes, it doesn't matter what state you're in, you're going to benefit if he's in. And he beats Tim Kaine, the Hillary Clinton lackey. You don't want that. He wants to uh, violate you in every way possible. But Jonathan E. Moore to bring back the Constitution. He's endorsed by Ron Paul. You don't have to say much more than that. And uh, you can go to Emord for Senate. I'm um, sorry, Emord for VA. Emord for VA. 
Brighteon.com uh, to find out how to support him. And then we're going to do three hours on Brighteon.tv. All three hours will be simulcast next week, this time Monday. So thank you for that. And thank you for your patience. Our guest this hour, Richard Vague. He's got a book, The Paradox, Paradox of Debt, uh, A New Path to Prosperity Without Crisis. And, you know, if I say debt is slavery, what does Richard Vague say? Let's find out. Richard, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm glad to have you on board. And yes, we can see you and hear you. Fantastic. <laughs> it looks like you're in the debt slave capital of America. Are you in New York City? <laughs> no, but close. I'm in Philadelphia. Oh, Philly. Okay. I could see that now. Thank you. But uh, welcome to the show. Um, uh, you know, we talk about debt. The entire uh, Western world economy has been driven by debt for a long time, especially when we uh, took money out of money. In other words, what was considered money throughout histories, uh, uh, thousands of years of history, including the just weights and measures referenced in the Bible, you know, gold and silver, there was honesty and integrity in money until the Federal Reserve came along and set the stage for a debauchment of the uh, the destruction of the, of the dollar, so to speak. And now all we're left with, if we get paid in Federal Reserve notes, is evidence of debt. That's certainly debt. Um, we really look at the whole picture in the book, and I'm so grateful to be on your show. We look at the seven largest countries in the world, which together constitute two-thirds of the world's GDP. You know, if you have 200 countries, but there's just seven of them that constitute two-thirds of the world's GDP. And we look at private sector debt and government debt. And what is a surprise to a lot of folks is there's far more private sector debt than there is government debt. So if you really want to understand the economy, the place to begin is looking at business and personal debt, which in the U.S. is over 40 trillion, whereas government debt is about 30 trillion. Yeah, uh, you know, that's just a stunning thing you just said. I never considered that seven countries hold that much of the GDP of the world uh, and the rest are what? Uh, are they just resources that are to be conquered and then left with debt in, in its wake? Well, it's really hard to be a small country. I'll tell you that, you know, that you're, you're living in a world that's, that's dominated by the big, and it's, you know, seven countries are two thirds of the world's GDP. You know, two countries are almost half the world's GDP. That's the U S and China added together, you know, not quite, but almost. So if you're Trinidad and Tobago or Somalia or Argentina, even for that matter, you know, you're, you're really playing in someone else's game. Pretty, pretty darn incredible to consider. Now, if we talk about the, the debt that the average American holds uh, and the, and the reality that the average or typical American may be one or two paychecks away from, you know, being homeless, if something really happened, if they collapse the economy again, and we're relying on a federal reserve, whose policy is basically to print money until the money is worth less and less and, and maybe nothing. Uh, you know, what, what is our pathway out of this? Are, are you arguing that, that fiat systems are the, are the management and they've done a good job and that we should continue or, or looking at some other mediums of exchange as possibilities to, to, to counter the uh, inevitable collapse of a currency that seems to be without end as a world reserve, but the BRICS nations are doing their thing. It's like, it's all illusion at this point. Well, you know, I've done a lot of studying of historical currency. Oh, oh, oh stand by. I apologize. I asked you that question. We're on a break of Brighteon.tv. It's a special Monday thing. We're going to be right back with Richard Vague. He's got a lot to say, and I set him up. Stand by.
Sorry about that, Richard. On my Monday show, I forget sometimes that we do the simulcast on Brideon and they have a clock we don't normally have. But we're still out going out in the air for the rest of the of the uh, audience. And we can share a little bit about that. But remember that question, because that's an important one. I want you to elaborate on your perspective on it when we come back. I will. Ah, hmm. oh, Super Don, uh, like I said, I'm off track today and I'm just trying to stay on it while we do this show with my technology uh, you know, tanking in every which way as I came back from another trip thinking it was all going to be resolved and it didn't happen. So uh, it's kind of distraction city today, but I'm glad you're in Philly, not New York, although that might be marginally uh, uh, you know, worse. I don't know, depending on where you are there. Well, we're close to Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell, so we feel safe. Okay, good. Well, you know, and the history there is quite stunning. Uh, obviously, that was where it started before it was moved to D.C. as far as the nation's capital and where it all uh, began. And there's, again, I love that history. But uh, unfortunately, many Americans have lost connection to it, and including if, as we talk about the economics and the monetary policies that our founders warned us against. You know, you know like uh, the battle between uh, Jefferson and uh, um, Hamilton. Hamilton over the uh, establishment of a central bank, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of history there. Well, you were asking the question earlier about currency. And one of the very interesting things about U.S. monetary history is we didn't have a currency until the 1860s. Mm-hmm. And in fact, for the first, you know, 70, 80 years of our existence, we had hundreds of different currencies all at the same time. And they were issued by banks, they were issued by states, uh, etc. Somehow, and you know, I've done a lot of work in this, you know, you had merchants track trying to keep track of all these currencies. Yeah. Somehow it all manages to hang together. And in that very period, we grew to be as from nothing. Right. almost as large as the United Kingdom. So Pretty somehow, somehow the economy figures it out. We muddle through it. Right. Stand by. Here we go. All right. We're back. Apologize for any delays or, or uh, timing uh, distinctions uh, that I should have been aware of, but we're back. TV simulcast the Robert Scott Bell Show each and every Monday, our second hour of the broadcast. Today we have Richard Vagon. He is the author of The Paradox of Debt, A New Path to Prosperity Without Crisis. And I asked him a very... I don't know if it was a loaded, pointed, or heavy question, Richard, before the break, but uh, if you can reiterate kind of where I was going and asking you about your perspectives on it. Well, you were talking about currency, and one of the things that I think is very interesting about monetary history is for extended periods of time, we have not had a national currency. We did not have a national currency when the Constitution was you know, approved and put in place in the late 1780s. We had actually hundreds of currencies. They were all private sector currencies and no national currency until the Civil War. And nevertheless, we managed just fine and became, you know, as large as Britain in that short period of time, just because so many other fundamentals were good in the United States. So, you know, currency, I think, is something we generally manage to to work through no matter what the situation is. And that's not just true in the United States. There's multiple currency situations all around the world. And, and somehow it's debt that matters more than currency and debt is the real challenge. And as I suggested a moment ago, private sector debt, there's $150 trillion in private sector debt in the world, only $90 trillion in government debt in the world. It's, it's the individual situations we have as homeowners as small business owners and the like 
mm-hmm. where we've got to do better and we've got to exercise discipline. Well, what about this? You saw the paradox of debt. Um, I think of debt as slavery, although I know that, yes, it is it is possible that if you have a good business and you don't have the capital to engage fully in that business, you can go into debt. You can ask for a loan and people will invest based on their hope that you'll pay them back, usually with interest, which gets into issues of usury as, as well. Uh, but I think debt is a matter of, or a means of control. And and I'm, maybe I'm not of the opinion that it should never exist. But at the same time, debt has been used to orchestrate what will we say a great vulnerability exploit a great vulnerability in the the majority of people in america that are not wealthy or however you define wealth and they don't have the ability to survive a week or two without a paycheck without becoming homeless and they don't have any real value or real wealth and even those that have so so called theoretically discharged their debt that hasn't been discharged and i mean this about paying off a mortgage when you do so with Federal Reserve notes, it doesn't seem to follow the same thing when you paid for something with $20 worth of gold and other valuable considerations. And then you didn't have a tax on your own private property. And so when people think that they own their property, how could it be taxed by the government unless it's been altered from property to real estate, which is not the same thing? Well, I think you've characterized debt as uh, fairly and the burden that it uh, presents to folks very fairly. And I think one of the places it plays out is in the growing level of inequality in the country. We've done really a track of the full balance sheet of the top 10% of households in the country versus the other 90%. And the net worth of the top 10% over the, really since this was being tracked in in the 1980s, has more than tripled, whereas the net worth of everybody else has been constant, has not improved at all. And as part of that, the debt per household in relationship to income in that period has increased by almost 80%. Mm. Whereas for the 10%, of the wealthiest 10%, it has increased essentially not at all. So one of the ways, one of the instruments of this growing inequality has been the increased burden of debt on the average household, the middle class household in the United States. And that's something we get into fairly deeply in the book. So the again, the debt uh, uh, equation, is there another way? Has there been another way historically to have a, a vital and vibrant economy without debt? Or is that, you know, are we now just in a state of believing that debt is the only way to grow an economy? Well, you know, debt has been in civilizations and economies since the beginning, since, you know, ancient Middle East or the ancient Mesopotamian and Egyptian economies. Economies simply cannot function without debt and economies cannot grow without debt. And that's not a matter of preference. That's not a matter of choice. It's simply a fact. You know, your local store couldn't stock inventory without debt. Debt permeates everything and is the single biggest factor in evaluating economies. So it is absolutely something to be wary of. But we call the book The Paradox of Debt for the simple reason that debt can create good and create harm at the same time in the same situations. That's why we have to be so cautious. You know, if you buy a house on good terms using debt, you can create wealth for yourself. You can create a business that does some good. 
but you can easily let things get out of control, end up bankrupt, end up ruining your life. You know, we looked at, spent a lot of time looking at student debt and student debt affects 43 million Americans. And it's not just 20 and 30 year olds. You know, we found, you know, plenty of folks in their 60s and 70s that still haven't paid off their student debt. Yeah. And of course, the debt based system was made viable via the Federal Reserve and what its monetary policies are and the government taking advantage of that. And of course, many corporations or industries taking advantage of that. We talk about the uh, higher uh, institutions of learning or education or indoctrination, colleges, universities. They found that they could jack up their prices year after year because government grants and government loans were made available artificially. And in a free market uh, for education, they couldn't jack their prices up because they wouldn't have a monopoly, first of all, on teaching. And then they wouldn't have access to free money or very cheap money to then price it out because the people were now not paying directly out of pocket, but setting the stage for a debt later that they come out of the university system and they can't find a job because the economy has moved past what the universities are even teaching. Well, to underscore your point, you know what? It was a little over 10 years ago. All aggregate student debt was only about 250 billion. Today, it's 1.8 trillion. And this system was introduced where the government guaranteed a lot of this debt, made it fairly easy for folks to get, including at for-profit universities that really were creating valuable degrees, the so-called you know, diploma mills, Right. And prohibited folks from discharging that debt in bankruptcy court. And you had a form a recipe for disaster and a student debt shot up. Now, it's been slightly reformed. It needs to be reformed more than it has been. But I think your analysis that that's one of the things that allowed universities to increase their tuition over the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, I think is exactly right. So what is it that you do when people consult with you or reach out to you, Richard? I mean, I know you have the book that's very interesting. and has a lot of layers of discussion on these topics. But what is it that you can help people with outside of the book? Or do you offer services in that way? Well, we don't. You know, we're, we're really a research institution. So we're not giving advice and we're not doing it. But we do try to come up with some ideas in the book uh, of ways to help folks that are struggling with debt. To work through mm-hmm. and you know as one example uh, we uh, it was something on the order of 15 million mortgages that were underwater coming out of the global financial crisis it ruined millions of lives i believe about nine million folks lost their homes at that time there was a better way and one of the things you know we offer as food for thought is you know the the borrower can negotiate with the lender, get a reduction in their principal amount and in their monthly payment in exchange for giving the lender some upside when the home is eventually sold. That's a something that you could authorize from a regulatory standpoint that would give folks the opportunity to stay in their homes where 9 million people lost their home. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the ideas we put forward in the book. What about uh, Ron Paul's suggestion some years ago when he was in Congress? Uh, he wrote on had helped Brighton, I'm sure, but the Free Competition and Currency Act that would take the exclusive monopoly on money in America and basically allow the market to decide. In other words, you would have the freedom to say, hey, I would like to exchange gold, silver, paper, whatever. 
and there wouldn't be a, a violation of any law because the monopoly system is allowed for abuse of people through destruction of the so-called Federal Reserve note dollar uh, without any recourse for the people that are holding the money or that touch it last. Because as Richard Mayberry described in many of it in his, in his books and newsletters, those who touch the money first get it at whatever full value that day. Those who get it last, the poor, the middle class, they end up having a devalued version of that money. And so it's really harmful to those that are not on the inside of the banking system. Ron Paul was my congressman and my parents' congressman way, way back when I lived in Texas. And I've always enjoyed uh, Ron and, you know, his the perspective he brings. You know, what he's describing is really not that radical if you think about it in the context of American history. We had the situation he described for 60 or 70 years at the beginning of the country, and we operated just fine. So, yeah, uh, you know, a monopoly has been created, you know, that uh, that uh, precluded other folks from offering currencies. I think that has been challenged somewhat by the introduction of things like cryptocurrency. I think the economy will do just fine if we had multiple currencies as opposed to one, even though I know that's anathema and the Fed believes in its own story fairly strongly. <laughs> I don't put quite as much importance on the whole subject. Mm -hmm. as Ron Paul does, because I think the more fundamental issue is debt. I think currency is a secondary issue. Well, I, I think just weights and measures are important and uh, having value in what you are required to be paid in or, or store as value in the bank is something that concerns me greatly because, as I said, the people are relying on these paper dollars and the bankers are just destroying it. And, and the history of, of fiat money systems and, and fractional reserve banking is, is rife with uh, deception and corruption. And so freedom is the answer. I think I'm with Ron Paul on that. And even if you want to use federal reserve notes, I, I got no problem with that, but I want people to have the freedom to choose and the store of value. What would, what would, what would retain its value better, perhaps other things. And uh, in that regard, I think you probably agree that freedom is a superior method to move forward in economy as well. It, it, it certainly worked in the past. Now, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd caution you that there plenty other ways historically that folks have created money besides through banking. You know, during the 1700s, the predominant form of money creation was the bills of exchange that merchant used. Mm -hmm. I would also say there, there has almost never been a period in history where the gold standard was in effect and remained in effect for more than just a few years. You know, the, the gold standard would create as many problems as it solved and people would have to suspend the gold standard and suspend right. convertibility, mm -hmm. you know, almost every time there was even the hint of a crisis. So, you know, having this currency versus that currency is not a panacea. Uh, and I think you know, your more fundamental idea is saying, let's just allow many things to be possible probably is an appropriate idea. Yeah, well, I, I think that the people can decide. But, of course, those international bankers and, and central government planners, they think we're all a bunch of rubes and can't figure anything out. And they have to plan everything from their perspective. And that's not worked out all that well either. So, again, I will defer to dangerous freedom than uh, a, a safe form of slavery, economically or otherwise, Richard. Well, one of the best examples of what you say is that really no one in the central banking community in the you know in the summer of 2007 thought we were going to have any problem and in fact we're giving speeches 
suggesting the opposite, that things were in great shape and we were in for smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Two or three months later, the stock market tumbled, the bank started to fail, and we had the global financial crisis. So, right. And those yeah, who were, and those who were right about it are still regarded as, as a crank economists, you know? They were right. And no, we can't listen to them. Come back to the same people that didn't get it right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's amazing to me that the orthodoxy that was in place in 2007 has remained fully intact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the same thing with natural medicine versus allopathic medical medicine. Uh, I've dealt with that for you know 30 years almost now in my own life and how we continue to go to the people that got it wrong on everything. And, and those that didn't get it wrong, that got it right. You know, the naturopaths, the homeopaths, the chiropractors are can still considered the crank outliers fringe. I'm like, how many times do you have to get it right to not be fringe, uh, you know, other than the agendas that are there. Uh, or orthodoxy is extremely hard to overcome. And, you know, on the food side, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a rank amateur and you're the pro, but you know, we have a nation of folks that eat Cheetos and pizza, you know? And yeah. You know, that's, it, that's what orthodoxy has gotten us. It's problematic on all levels. And I appreciate your willingness to come on and discuss these things. And also uh, your book uh, is, is fascinating and we have it linked as well as your website, Richard Vague, V-A-G-U-E dot com. And there's a place to get to know Richard, what he's all about and what he's doing. And uh, I love that we can talk about these things uh, and use whatever intellect and knowledge of history we have. I think our loss or lack of knowledge of history uh, creates uh, more problems than it, it certainly doesn't doesn't solve any. But uh, check out the paradox of debt. Richard Vague, thanks for being on board today. Thank you so much for having me. You do a great job, and I'm grateful you'd let me come on your show. No, I appreciate you. I do. And hang in there. Be safe in Philly, okay? You too. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. That's Richard Vague. Uh, first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show as we keep cranking up to the, I don't know, my wife would know if we're up to 1,800 guests now over the years I've been doing it. And I, I only count each guest once, even if they're on multiple times. Uh, but I'm fascinated by all of these subjects and these viewpoints. And as I say, um, there are varying viewpoints on anything you can imagine and everything you'd imagine. Some apparently are more controversial than others. If you talk about religion or faith, or sometimes it's monetary policy, sometimes it's food and diet and medicine, or yeah, of course, politics, but the ability and willingness to engage and discuss, we talked about that in the first hour as well with the, you know, the, the loneliness thing that they're trying to, you know, insinuate. That's the only way to go. Be lonely, be afraid, be, you know, hide, cancel people that disagree with you. No, engage enjoy each other's perspectives and maybe you can even argue about it, but I don't mean violently. I just, I, I the spirit of fun engagement is great for me and I hope it's good for you too. Super punch him in the eye. What are you talking about? Poke him in the eye. That's no, right. No, Kick no, him in the throat. Come on. No, that's rude. I did that at the gym today. No, I didn't. No violence. What? Yeah. Anyway, I had a good kind workout a, today, dude. Kind of a wuss are you? This trip. I needed it. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to encounter after I got my workout. When I go to pick up the computer that supposedly they priced the whole logic board. The guy says, it's basically a brand new computer. I plug it in. <laughs> nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing. It's like they didn't do. It's like the mechanic that says I've, you know, I've, I've unplugged the warning light for you. I'm like, dude, yeah. it's the same. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Oh, well. And I'm, I'm having to reset the studio because between now and Monday, I'm going to be gone Wednesday to Sunday after the show. I've got a limited number of days to figure this thing out. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> anyway, so that's my problem. Relatively pales compared to a lot of real issues of people that are struggling. And again, uh, uh, shout out and prayers and love to DJ Katie Organic. 
our super friend and fan and uh, her husband. And uh, we don't know what, exactly what's going on there, but please send love and thoughts and prayers for those that are suffering and need healing. The energy that you send them is real. It, hap- it helps. And uh, I thank you for your support there as well. Yes. So what else we got today on the show as we, in the time we have remaining? Um, well, I mean, um, you're on top of this, not me. Boy, dude, you, yeah, you, I, I gotta tell you, you are handling guests today. Like I've never seen you handle before. How do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, it's just like in and out, man. They're just like here. Okay. Now see you. Have, have, (laughs) I usually don't handle them. Is that what you're saying? No, not like that. Okay, but do you like it? Should I do that more? No, I, I, well, yeah. Maybe you should just kind frustrate of, me and anger of, me before yeah. I get on the air. I know what you're doing. You wanted to make sure we had enough time to cover yes. the very important questions of the day, right? And and I think the homeopathic hit. And the homeopathic hit, yes. Yeah. So here, here's a question of the day from Joan. All right, enjoyed your interview with Dr. Lee Merritt very much. When you two get together in the future, I would love to hear more about her protocol ridding the body of parasites taking chlorine dioxide, hydrogen peroxide, et cetera. Okay, I happily have her on again to talk about that. She's also, Robert, do you know when you will be updating your aloe silver protocol for the gut? Very interested in that subject. Thank you very much. Joel, Joan, we have a deadline apparently. I don't know, Superdon, do you know when I need to have it done by? Because I've been so distracted, not because I don't want to get it done, but literally physically not able to be focused on it. And I know what to do. I know what needs to be done, but I need to know when I needed to have it done by. Well, that would be for the autoimmune answers, um, I think. No, no, that's the Breaking Free from Depression and Loneliness uh, Webinar, uh, event right? that's coming yeah. up. Uh, and that starts, I think, on the 25th. So you have to have it done before then. Well, they're going to have to have a place to find it, too. So we're going to have to have it done before then. You're right. Today yep. is what, the 11th? 11th. Oh, good Lord. All right. <laughs> So the best answer, Joan, is soon. Soon, <laughs> we'll let yes. You know. yes. And we'll let you know how to access that. We're going to make it available first free through that uh, online, uh, what is it? I, I always forget the name, webinar, televent series, whatever they call it. Online. Thing. Thing. Avaya University is putting that Stuff. one on. So yep. I'm featured in that. All yep. right, what's the next? Is there another question of the day? There is. This okay. is uh, This is a good one. Um, this Can is from, full screen? I, I, how do you pronounce this? Sor- Soraya? Soraya? Psoriasis. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Hello, my sister, 44, was just uh, recently hospitalized for a congestive heart failure with, uh, let's see, EF of extra, ejection fraction of 25%. I'm reading about the benefits of Cardio Miracle and truly believe this will help her. I have heard you talk about the benefits you personally saw with Cardio Miracle. Would you also know if there are any research or studies done with people with congestive heart failure that has found Cardio Miracle and has helped them? Uh, well, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say it's the only thing to do, but I would not want to be without the nitric oxide production, sustained nitric oxide production and powerful antioxidant activity of Cardio Miracle. Um, I'm going to go into uh, something else here in a moment, but go ahead and go full screen so I can see it again. Um, say she, uh, she thankfully to God has, has, does not have cholesterol or diabetes, but she is overweight. All right. Well, cholesterol issues. All right diabetes overweight all right so overweight that means she's got a toxic burden you know the body is diluting the toxic burden with uh, you know in the fat could be heavy metals could be pesticides who knows what's going on there uh she's changing her diet i'm trying to help her find a solution because i know the regular prescription meds will not help her heal she's currently taking cardio miracle twice a day while eating healthy and walking i've also read dr sinatra's book how he recommends taking d ribose 
Coenzyme Q10, magnesium, and L-carnitine, all of which are in Cardio Miracle minus the L-carnitine. I don't remember if that's in there or not right now, but uh, I believe Cardio Miracle has other amino acids uh, instead. Yes, it does. Are the ingredients of Cardio Miracle potent enough to help someone with CHF? Should my sister take it more like three or four times a day? Should my sister add additional supplements to this protocol? Thank you, and God bless you, Soraya. So, yes, the answer is Hawthornberry. Yes, I believe there's a little bit in there, but I'm talking about therapeutic levels of Hawthornberry syrup is God's medicine for congestive heart failure. And my, unless you, you know, grew your own and harvested fresh your own, the next best thing is Dr. Christopher's Hawthornberry syrup. You can get that from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. Uh, he's at 866-424-1077, 866-424-1077. He also carries the sovereign silver, the sovereign copper. I would urge you to look into the copper as well, because copper and selenium play a very vital role in protecting cardiac proteins and more. Uh, taking extra selenium beyond what's in Cardio Miracle is another thing I would do. The innate response selenium I get from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com or the food research brand. He carries both. Those are 100% whole food forms of selenium. And I would want to take at least uh, 400 uh, to 800 or more micrograms of the food form of selenium, not synthetic isolates. So that's also what I would add into the mix. Uh, and, and if you want to take more Cardio Miracle, I have no problem with that. It's just a matter of can you afford to do so? And if you can, sure. Uh, even better, I think, would be to put that Cardio Miracle in echo water, the, the molecular hydrogen. And that's what I do. I put it in the uh, uh, Cardio, I put the Cardio Miracle in. Uh, my echo water, which is molecular hydrogen from Echo Technologies. And you can see that we've had Paul Baratero on talking about that hydrogen is also a powerful antioxidant, and that would help in this case as well. Crotagus is the homeopathic form of the hawthorn berry. Crotagus, if you can find it, uh, that might be one of the homeopathic hits coming up. I don't know, but I'll get to that. But suffice it to say, that's my answer for today for your sister at 44 years of age on what she can do. And God bless you and prayers for her for health and healing as well. And going better uh, diet, that means going more organic. Okay, that's my bottom line. All right, what else uh, are we looking at here? Is it time for the uh, homeopathic well, we've, hit? We've got two and a half minutes here. I don't so know I if that's going to be. super fast. Really? Okay. Yeah, Ready well, to go. At least can get half of okay. it done. All right. The homeopathic hits. All the homeopathic hits on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Today's homeopathic hit, Rust Toxicodendron known as the poison ivy remedy. And these homeopathic hits are quick hits. They can't be as comprehensive as I'd like them to be, but that could take years to do. And uh, every, every day we try to do this live, uh, this is something that uh, Super Don and you all initiated because I was reluctant. Rust tox is short for rust toxicodendron, made from the poison ivy plant. And of course, you know poison ivy. I don't have to describe what it does, uh, but it is a, uh, the leaves are the primary source as they make it uh, through uh, initial trituration and then uh, liquid uh, conversion into serial dilution and succussion. So it can't cause po poison ivy. It can't cause the itching and scratching and all the things associated with uh, poison ivy. It's often indicated, obviously, for conditions of the skin, like rashes. But interestingly enough, stiffness of the joints, arthritis, and even sometimes flu-like symptoms. From a mental perspective, it's known that uh, rust tox type individuals may experience restlessness and a constant need for motion. These are just quick hit indications of when you know maybe rust tox should be considered. Primary use, of course, most commonly used for skin conditions like poison ivy rashes, but any kind of eczema and other skin irritations. You take it in a homeopathic form. It can be used topically, but you don't want to use it as a mother tincture or else you're going to give yourself poison ivy. 
Joint pains are another interesting aspect of the Rustox remedy. Used for rheumatism and even rheumatoid arthritis and other joint pains where the first movement is painful but improves with continued motion. There's a lot more behind that. Also, when it's a flu-like symptom scenario, you know, you have body aches, restlessness, and chills. Rustox may be indicated. And I added something that's often overlooked. Herpetic lesions. What are we talking about? Herpes sores, cold sores, chicken pox or chicken pox-like manifestations. Rustox is always indicated, including in the case of shingles, which I didn't write on here, consider Rustox. Going with a daily use, low potency, 6X to uh, 30C. Uh, those are more, uh, you know, I guess you could say more recent additions. You can take them multiple times throughout the day when they're at low potencies, if you will. If you're going for the intense high attenuations or potencies, it's more for uh, deep-seated conditions, including arthritis-like manifestations like uh, with psoriasis, for instance. It goes a little bit deeper, a little bit further. Uh, and uh, with that, I'm going to tell you about the concurrent remedies when I come back after this because the power to heal is yours. All right, bonus round commences. I got through some of that anyway. I was making some tracks, and then we ran out of time because of our simulcast with TV. So today's homeopathic hit has been broken up. It's been hit and Yes, broken. it has. So we, we might need some uh, Ruda as well. I was going to get to the point of uh, the complementary remedies that are often indicated or related. I love that Bryonia is listed here because it is, for me, the related remedy to everything. And what do I mean by that, Bryonia? often used after rust tox for conditions that worsen with movement. But I argue rather than, yeah, I know. Sometimes I dispute the materia medica or what's in it. But clinically speaking, I use Bryonia first because it clears the pathway for rust tox and other remedies because it's a polycrest for the liver. And hitting the liver first is a great idea because remember in arthritis, much of arthritis has to do with toxicological inflammation, caused inflammation of the joints. And so hitting the liver means it'll help to reduce that burden. And then you can come in with the rust tox after. Calcarea carbonica is often indicated, uh, uh, carbonate of calcium, if you will. And that, of course, calcium bones, that's how it's related. But it complements rust tox also in chronic skin conditions. And I add Ruta to that mix. And there are others, but as it relates to arthritis and joint pain and inflammation, Ruta, uh, I could have mentioned colchicum. Uh, and others. But just to give you a starting point, the point is not to overwhelm you each homeopathic hit that we do here. It's just to give you a little bit of an in introduction and insight to go, oh, that's not too intimidating. I understand that. I can do that. And then you can go further from there. When you go into the Materia Medica, it'll be much more complex and comprehensive. But I, if you open that first, you'll often go, oh my gosh, this is too much and I don't want to go any further. So rust tox is a homeopathic remedy, of course, is safe. Uh, there's no issue as you move down to the cautions area. It's just if you use actual rust tox that's not been made into a homeopathic medicine, yeah, you can create some problems for yourself because it is then indeed poison ivy. Can you scroll down, see if there's anything else down there on that page there, Super D? Mm -hmm. I mean, we got it up on the screen right now. Uh, let's see. Generally safe, avoid it. Yeah, just basic concepts. And uh, just a reminder that there's a range of things that rust tox does including uh, skin irritations, joint pains, to herpetic manifestations like chicken pox or even shingles. And uh, just keep tuning in to the Robert <laughs> Scott Bell Show for more homeopathic hits. That's a dose of Bryonia for you there, Super Don, for that cough mm -hmm. as well. Okay. So, remember, it's not intended to replace your doctor or any doctor or homeopathic doctor or whatever. Uh, we're just giving you information so you are more empowered to move forward through life with fully informed consent should you desire it.
Ta-da! Ta-da! We did it! Hooray! Yay! Another hope you found the kit. So, um, did you see, I'm sure you did, hmm. that your, uh, your favorite tennis player Oh, won. yeah, Djokovic. Djokovic won. He, he won the U.S. Open. He did. Dude, it is such justice. It's, it's sort of like, you know, like uh, I get Jesse Owens, and it's a different kind of thing here. I realize that, but uh, in the Olympics in, in Germany, right? Well, and for people who may not, he may not, who may not be following the situation, no. tell, to give the backstory on this. What happened well, with him? Remember, Novak Djokovic is an anti-vaxxer, or he would say, "No, I'm not. I just don't want him for me." But the point is, he didn't get the COVID jabs. He refused them and was re- refused entry into Australia during the COVID time with the Australian Open and. Now, all these things were they were attacking him viciously. Oh, he's horrible. He's going to kill everybody. And he's like, and they said he deceived people. And it's like, no, he knows about homeoprophylaxis and other ways to keep his immune system strong. And, and he was even interviewed pointedly by snarky uh, 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 reporters going, are you really willing to give up your place as the world's greatest tennis player by statistics? And, then, and he said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get this is a principled stance I'm taking. And of course, he's come back and won. Did he win Wimbledon? Or not? I don't remember at this point. I but care. I, I don't know. I don't follow follow tennis as yeah. much as you do. Anyway, the dude, non jabbed as he is, came back, won the U.S. Open, and kicked some butt. Even won it, beat a twenty year old American guy. And I don't know if you saw after he won in the, the semifinals, he did this thing. He put his like his hand like a phone up to his ear and hung it up because that was that twenty year old dude's. And he thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool too. But it's intense, man. And yeah. Congratulations, Novak Djokovic, for. Rock in the health. He world. stuck to it and and uh, did not get the jab and and uh, that that whole situation with him mm-hmm. makes what I'm about to play right here. If you haven't seen this yet, yeah. incredibly ironic. Did you did you see this here? Uh, the U.S. Open. Did you see who it was sponsored by? Uh, no. Uh, oh boy. Well, we'll take you to the. Dirtest shot of the day, and it was saving the match the point. point. Oh, the match. match point to get to number 24. There were a lot of shots that were highly impactful. Here's the final. A lot of shots that were fi- wow, that's classic, dude. The Moderna shot of the day, and it wasn't one that they could give to Novak. That's, that's right, hilarious, dude. He ended up winning, and wow. it was uh, it was uh, Moderna, the shot of the day. Yes. That is great. Hey, speaking of sports, your San Francisco 49ers kick some butt. They did. Yeah. They did. They did very well. Um, and your Atlanta Falcons won, too. Well, yeah, and I'm less less connected to Atlanta as I go in terms of the sports teams. You know, a lot of players that I still knew, like Matt Ryan, not there. But still, I'm intrigued by the young Desmond Ritter and their, their talent pool is exciting. Could be fun to watch as well. But um, as my wife and I say, we, we look for excellence. We enjoy the players that really excel and, and enjoy what they do. That, to me, is inspiring. So I'm kind of more open, and I like that the San Francisco 49ers with that Brock Purdy, the last player mm-hmm. selected in the draft last year. And McCaffrey, year, too, had a great— re- Relevant. Yeah, yeah, McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, who came from the— They Carolina call him Panthers. CMC. Yeah. He, uh, he had a great, a great game. It was, yeah. it was the first Sunday of, of NFL, and, yeah. and, you know, my, my thing is, is there's a service uh, that I subscribe to. It's called NFL Red Zone. Mm-hmm. And um, which I've offered to you if you ever want to 
check that out because <laughs> it's like it's like crack for uh for fans of the nfl they just show all the scores and it's all of the red zone plays all of the touchdowns all of the you know they skip all the the other stuff Great of the stuff, game yeah. so i i i can totally appreciate what you're talking about as far as having an appreciation for excellence because when you watch nfl red zone that's what you're seeing it's seven hours of excellence it's yeah, just yeah Oh man, all these crazy plays and catches and one arm, you know, and stuff. Remind me, Super D, did you play football when you were a kid? Oh I no, mean, like in, no, no. See, I, here's the, here's the thing. I probably I probably would have, mm-hmm. and I probably should have because yeah. I, I was a crazy kid. <laughs> you would have. I was. I I mean, I, I would have been diagnosed with ADHD, mm-hmm. guaranteed. Yeah. I, I would have because I was a, just a class clown doing just acting out for. The, just for the sake of acting out and attention, I mean, I was nuts. Yeah. Um, and the 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 little bit of uh, 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 athletic activity that I had when I got into junior high. Yeah. I was a monster. I mean, yeah. I weighed nothing. I was a pencil. But you, um, you put on some muscle uh, as as you were going. Well, no, this was later in life, but. Okay. But no, no, I mean, I I no, I weighed like you know when I was in high, uh, uh, when I was a senior. Uh huh. You know, I was like five, almost five eleven and one hundred and forty pounds. You know, wow. I mean, I, I had nothing, right? Yeah. But in junior high, I was, I was crazy. Mm-hmm. I was insane. They, there was this one guy, Jeff, Jeff Gualco, mm-hmm. big old yeah. dude. Just you know, just he was just a linebacker looking guy. Him and I used to. He was a PE teacher. Uh, here's here's uh, just whatever. You, you you got me started here. Okay. When I was a kid. School was not my, especially when I got into high school, was not my strong point. Okay. But in in, uh, in in junior high, I got fairly decent grades, and my my crowning achievement was was when my parents went to parent teacher conferences, and the had to had the meeting with the PE teacher. Which you know, of all the teachers for parent teacher conferences, it's just like PE. You know, it's like yeah. whatever. You know, yeah, he shows up, puts on his PE clothes, and does stuff. You know. But uh, he he told my parents, he said, you know, if I took Jeff Gualco on one end of the of the, of the, the, the field and put Don Naylor on the other end of the field and just had them go at each other, I don't know what would happen, you know, type thing. Because I was like, you know, we would play softball. Yeah. And, dude, I was like sliding into home plate, you know, and stuff. You know, I have road rash all up yeah. my, my leg. I mean, I was I went all out on everything, right? Awesome. And I, uh, I tried out for wrestling. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I wanted to wrestle, and I because I was I was tall, mm-hmm. uh, and I had very low low weight, but I had a, I, leverage, right? You know, in, in wrestling, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, it, it was something I really wanted to do, but I have an eye problem, mm. and went to the eye doctor, and I had a, like a lazy eye when I when I was younger, stuff like that. And okay. the doctor told my parents that if I ever got a a hard blow to the head, it could sever the nerve oh and i would lose i didn't know that sight in my eye and it was just like oh man because i was so you know i just wanted to get in there and just do stuff but because of that i ended up not being able to be in sports dude okay i never heard that backstory super deep yeah so i can do a little trick with my eye it grosses out the kids but okay (laughs) you know it's like (laughs) hey what do you think of of, uh today it just kind of flowed through me because i've seen some some real warriors getting struck down in the prime of their life or suffering right now and maybe they're not in the prime of their life but still you know my perspective and my concern is that many people that are doing great things on this planet that are here for a mission purpose and they're trying to live it out but they'll neglect their own health mm-hmm. 
bodies. They, they, they'll make excuses for why they can't or won't, you know, eat better or exercise because they're, they're too busy. They've just got to get this done. And I'm just like, you know, explain that to God when you get there and, and you just, you know, say, God, give this shit. God, I still have more to do. I'm like, well, you neglected to take care of your body. Now I'm not talking about those that get hit by a bus or, you know, that, that kind of thing can happen. Right. right. But just from the standpoint of how important it is. And, and I know I'm biased because of my experience having been chronically ill for the first 24 years of my life and finding natural medicine, homeopathy and organic food and really uh, uh, you know, trying to live this lifestyle as an example to, to myself and others that it's possible. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I could be annoying to some, but I'm not trying to be annoying in an annoying way, but maybe just a little bit annoying to make you go, <laughs> maybe I should eat a little bit better or do a little bit better, you know, and, and tough not, love. Right, That's what they call love. it, right? But as I see, you, and everybody knows people like this, or we might look in the mirror and go, yeah, I could have done better. And I just was a little, uh, you know, whatever. And so I don't know. I just, I just threw that out there today because I'm concerned once again for some of, you know, people that are, yeah. you know, struggling right now. You're a mother hen right now. Yeah. That's okay. So I got that video going on. I think we need to get a longer version of it. Um, so I don't have to keep hitting replay. You see how it goes. Well, what we got to do is figure out how to get your player to work. Right. Well, yeah, that too, but I'm running now an old computer that I inherited from Liam, uh, chef years ago. Oh, you know what? That's probably why, because you're probably using a version of QuickTime that's like super old and doesn't have the same features as the newer version does. True. That could be the case. That's probably what it is. I didn't expect that I would have to do that today based on everything being fixed, but as soon as the show's over, I'm probably going to create, I'll create a longer one. It'll be a large file, but I'll create one. Yeah. And if not, like I said, I'll see if I can update. It's an older, uh, computer as well, but I got to figure this thing out, dude. I was so excited got picked up the thing i got a good workout this morning i you know i was, I was working on a lot of things simultaneous including the uh, jonathan emord events next week and i got back to set it up hook it up and like nothing changed mm. nothing it was did like you call did you call the, the the shop yeah i did and they said well the technician that worked on your computer is not here today <laughs> yeah i'm like oh that's great so okay what, what do i do so the only thing i i can do is take it back there and go hey what happened? You know, because they, 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 they said, you know, when you when you reboot it, you're going to have to get from your uh, time capsule, which is like a capture of, you know, everything that you had before. Uh, and but it, it booted up like nothing changed. I like, oh, there's no time capsule needed. And, and then I tried to hook things up. It wouldn't even recognize the Roadcaster Pro uh, thing through it. It was like this is just where we left off before mm-hmm. it last week. And I was so excited. It was going to get done. Now, granted, Apple made an exception because it's out of warranty. They said no charge. The guy said he replaced, or they, they said in their notes, they replaced the, 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 whatever I said it was. And it changed nothing. I didn't have to reinstall any. I don't, I don't know what happened. And the issue you were having was with the C drive, the C, the USB-C uh, C ports, yeah, yeah. USB-C ports. Yeah. And so it still won't work. So I'm like, mm. I don't know what else to do. And so that's what it was so frustrating, Super D, because I was so excited. I'm going to hook it up. And we're, we're back in business. The new studio has happened. I could set up the rest of the stuff for Jonathan Emord coming in the studio next week. And I've only got a couple more days before I have to head out to the Biomed Expo. Right. And like, I don't have a limited time to do everything. And they're, ah, throw that on them. I'm like, I'm just saying, these are first world problems. I get it. Yep. I'm not asking for a violin or anything like that. I'm just, this is the frustration and anger I'm like feeling before I go to air today. Hadn't had time to review anything for the show yet. Somehow we did it. Uh, and thank you for setting the stage for it and making, yeah. you know, but even did the homeopathic hit two interviews. So there you go. Pulled yeah. it off. Yeah. So, um, 
do you want to do you want to do a call with Andrew maybe after the show so we can kind of talk about what we need to yeah because we need to do. really establish yeah. the the three hour tour that we're going to do for uh, Jonathan a week from today yeah uh, okay and go through who who's on who's on and I reached out to some other folks to be added into the mix so we'll see what happens all right all right so um chat room yeah what's going on anything in actually you know there's a, a lot by just a couple of people today. Gretel says she normal. gives her puppies bryonia when her li- their, her li- the lime flares up in her paws. Bryonia is a great yeah. starting point for anything. So great job there, Gretel. So a lot of stuff here from... Um, is, it, is it Steven? My, this light is too bright still. But I didn't have Anna here to help. You know, yeah, that's a little better. The light's not as intense right. coming off my forehead. Uh, Marge checked in, said hello. Hi, Marge. And then checked out again. and said ciao. Yeah. Ciao. She says ciao, C-H-O-W. I think ciao. it's C-I-A-O. Yeah, it is. Okay. That's her That's her version. Italian. Yes. Right. Um, Liberation Station. Yes. Lots of uh, 9-11 links there to what really happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think we did a good job covering 9-11 today. It was very abbreviated, but. Yeah, well, I, like, I think we covered it the way we needed to. I, yeah. uh, obviously, Building 7 is something that they can never explain. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I and I agree. I agree. There's stuff there where you look at it and you go, yeah, that, that seems really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a free fall collapse of a building for me um, yeah for me it's like I just I put that aside yeah. you know what there's plenty of other people out there that can carry that that torch yeah that's not our main focus yeah I'm Ian, I Ian just Chef wrote about it in official yeah. stories among other things I'd urge you to read and say for me it's per, it's it's a personal thing like it is for many people that were that were there that that not there literally but were alive during that time uh, and saw that unfold. It was right. it was just it was surreal. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife at the time was working uh, at Kroger. She was she was uh, a manager for the home electronics uh, over there, and uh, so she was in this this in home electronics where they have like all you know like all the you know, the department all stores the TVs a wall on, of yeah. TVs. But she hadn't right. turned them on yet because it was early in the morning. It was six oh three a.m. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so. She, uh, her boss actually called her and said, did you see what's, what's going on? She turned on the TV and she got to see everything that was going on. And she called me. I was at home getting ready to, uh, get the kids ready for school and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And it was just, it, you were just mesmerized, right. just staring at the TV going, what, what, you know, this doesn't happen here. Uh, and then for you know, a long time after that, you know, I, like a lot of people, I was glued to, to the news. Sure. We all were at that time. I, I would, I would go to sleep on the couch yeah, and wake up on the couch. Um, what, you know, watching what was happening on, on, well, on Fox news at the time. And I switched from Fox to yeah. CNN to, you know, whatever back and forth. Our little boy was nine months old or so at that point too. And just about, and yeah. it was like, we had a baby and oh man, it was just crazy what we were watching. Back then, a flat screen TV, by the way, was a big box with a flat screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was before the actual flat screens came out. They were still tubes. Yeah. So and they weighed like 300 pounds. Exactly. A lot (laughs) has changed since then. Yep. Oh, man. 
Yep. 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 Well, there's stuff always going on, and I would ask you to dig deeper, go deeper, and uh, the official story is always there to protect the officials. They're filled with lies and deceptions. Um, so go deeper, so to speak. Indeed. All right, Super D. So uh, anything else to go over now? I just want to uh, shout out to Nutritional Frontiers. Remember their, their Thermogenic Complete product now, I think it's called. We talked about it the other day uh, for those that are Thermo Thermogenesis Complete. Genesis Complete. Yeah. Yeah. And that you can get a 15% off on top of the discount, introductory discount. So you can get a significant discount on that from Nutritional Frontiers. Uh, I'm going to be there. Uh, I think the World of Wellness is going to have a booth at the uh, Biomed Expo as well. So we'll probably have that product. And their CBD was on sale. I think they said free shipping on their CBD, yep. cbdnf.com. Use the code RSB15 to get 15% off. Anything and everything they have there at Nutritional Frontiers. And Jamie's birthday uh, sale is still extended. going on. It's been extended, so that's yeah. still happening. I checked this morning. Also, shout out to Orange Guard. Remember, orangeguard.com. Um, again, I'm, I'm less and less a fan of Whole Foods by the day, but I still say if you do shop there or you know somebody does, let them know to carry Orange Guard. Help them out because it's a good product. It should be everywhere as well as uh, your local Ace Hardware store um, can get it. It doesn't cost them anything extra to do that. So, uh, anything else? No, that's it. Right, that's it. So we will be back tomorrow. Let me take a quick peek here to see what's happening tomorrow. Okay, because I don't even know. Monica Yates from Monica Yates Health will be with us in hour one. Oh, dude! What? No way! Cordially Williams will be here for hour two tomorrow. We haven't had him on in a while. while. That'll be yeah, that'll be cool. Fun to catch up with. Catch up with him. See what's happening with him. Yeah. So that is what we got going on tomorrow. We may have Ty. Listen, I want to try and get Ty on on Wednesday. Okay. uh, Because did you see that there's a uh, an eyewitness? It was a a a Secret Service agent that was on the car when JFK was assassinated. That has um, come forward Mm -hmm. with some. Uh, evidence for you know eyewitness firsthand yeah. evidence that does not uh, go with the official report we have a guest on like that not no? a guest but uh, it's, it's it's in the news and Send me a link to that because I want to review it yeah and so I I sent it to Ty as well now I, I know that he was doing some traveling because there was a death in the family yeah 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 um, Charlene's mother mom yeah that. so he I don't know whether he's gonna be available or not but if he is I'd like yeah. to get him on because that's one of his wheelhouse topics. Yeah. And he's oh, very passionate about and stuff like that. And I'm curious to see what he has to say about that. So hopefully we'll get him on on Wednesday. Okay. And That'll then mm-hmm. Biomed Expo. Right. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Is it a travel day on Thursday for you? Uh, no, we're planning to take off after the show Wednesday. Okay. All right. So we should be ready to broadcast live on Thursday from, from Vegas. All right. Cool. Um, but yeah, I just got so much to do till then. I'm just praying yep. that. All right. Lord, give me the strength to get through all of this. Um, <laughs> tomorrow, I'm likely going to be back on the laptop, which might limit me. But now that I, if I know going in, it's not a problem. I know I can maneuver it. And I've got a little bit of better setup like behind me. Like the first day, it was crazy, right? When we tried this and it was everything was going wrong. Uh, but I guess when you make a shift like this, sometimes the equipment doesn't, co- the equipment doesn't cooperate, doesn't you know, can't handle a change in vibration, but right. I need to get this stuff fixed before our Monday broadcast. Cause we're supposed to have in-studio guests. I have, a, I have to have a secondary camera and microphones as well set up in the other part of the studio. So there it is. Prayers are welcome. Good energy is welcome. 
maybe a new computer is welcome too. I don't know. I'm hoping not, but uh, yeah. you know, I try to make do as best and as long as we can with the uh, equipment that we have. Right. Uh, so that's where we are today. That's where I am today. All right, man. Okay. Well, hang in there. Thank you. Take a deep breath. Use some ho- homeopathy. Some. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to get one for anxiety. Which would be what? Uh, Gelsemium. Would be good. What? No, gelsemium is what? That's, that's... Gelsemium too. Yeah, that can work for anxiety yeah. and fear. Things like that. <laughs> Look at that. I learned yeah. something. You're learning, dude. I hey. love that. I love that. You guys are still enjoying the uh, homeopathic hits of the day or you want me to stop? Have we done too much? Too Let much. us know. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Let us know. All right, man. Well, you have a good day. Uh, everyone who can hear the sound of my voice, mm-hmm. you have a good day too. Thank and you we'll, all for being here. Appreciate we'll be back it. tomorrow. All right. Share the show. We'll